0: deepest fears are made real when the darkest nightmares come true when the most courageous soul cowers in the face of evil first time on tv the modern horror classic from john carpenter this film contains elements of shock and suspense and now halloween you won't be watching it alone
1: That's scary. But the
2: problem with this place is they never give you
1: enough napkins. I know. It's so <laughs> ridiculous.
2: Check, please.
1: Here we are. Welcome back. <laughs> we always have cer- certain ways of getting into stuff. Um, Blake, hi. Hi, Dion. How are you? I'm fine. Thank welcome, you for asking. Welcome to Saturday Movie <laughs> Sleepovers, Blake. I'm happy
0: to be here. I'm happy to be here, too. So, uh, again, we're coming back for our... This is our third because I don't know if we did it the first year but our October
1: you talking to me talking. I think you did do it the first year
0: four episodes the Octo- October Halloween Christmas spectacular extravaganza
1: <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, we, we, we just heard a third voice uh Talking to us as well, but we'll get to that third voice. We're but not yeah, there yet. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure we did it the first year. Well, because the first year was we started in September, so we only we only had like two movies under our belt. Yeah, episodes. true. We probably didn't do it because it was yeah. but well, this was. <laughs> I think we started
0: second week of September. Yeah, so, so we, our, we third really, ep- our, our like second episode, <laughs> It was
1: like Big Trouble, Little
0: Shine. I forget what order we did. Uh, but I think our first Halloween, because typically if you're a new listener. If you're a new listener. If you're a new listener to the show, we always... The episode before the holiday of Halloween, we've, often, we've always done a Halloween-centric movie. Yeah. Now, the first two years, we did movies from the series of the Halloween horror franchise. And oddly enough, we did Halloween 2. Well, we did Halloween 3 first. So what we've always done is the episode before the holiday of Halloween, we've always done a Halloween centric episode. And in the first couple of years, I believe we did Halloween 3,
1: yep, Season then, of the
0: Witch. And then uh, we did Halloween 2. We're going back in time. Now, some years later, then, you know, we did uh Night of the Scarecrow,
1: Dark Night of the Scarecrow. Dark
0: Night of, of the Scarecrow. But this year we're kind of uh coming full circle in a way. Kind of out of order. And we're also changing it up a little bit. Yeah. Whereas typically this would be the last episode of October,
1: because it's the because ho- it's the Halloween centric episode. Yeah, not just the scary month of October. Yeah, yeah. our October horror ext- extravaganza. Our, our <laughs> extravaganza. Uh, we did get Garfield last year. <laughs> that was maybe our uh, was Halloween hocus night episode. Pocus. Yeah, and Hocus Pocus. But
0: uh, seeing that it's the fortieth anniversary of the John Carpenter classic. And seeing how that there is a new Halloween movie uh, on the horizon. Just coming to theaters, coming yeah. soon to a theater near you. We decided to bump this up to early
1: October. Yeah.
0: Very unorthodox. Though. Now, <laughs> we have a lot of our f- listeners often... Uh, request more john carpenter now it's one of these days we're going to run out of john carpenter and so this is i think our first john carpenter movie of the year and also maybe
1: our only john
0: carpenter movie of the year i hope some
1: of these people don't realize we've done a lot of john Carpenter <laughs> There's not going back and looking uh, maybe we'll redo
0: some of the old yeah <laughs> but uh, it's such a big topic and uh, it's definitely something i want to get into because i have a lot of questions so uh, it's br- blake's baby too we've brought in it's a big one for Blake. We've brought in an extra an extra voice yeah to, to this t- one to help t- tackle this big subject matter. Yeah, an and also uh you know cuz now it's a it's going to be tradition that we have to bring him in every time we do anything Illinois related. <laughs> 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 We gotta, we gotta have his mom. We gotta <laughs> send <gonna> his, State <laughs> Illinois. We gotta, said gotta Illinois. We gotta,
1: He's gotta send his mom gas money. She's gotta get into the the, the Ford LTD and drive him it a long across ride yeah. from the south side
2: of Chicago with so. him
1: looking out <laughs> backwards in the so car. So we
0: brought in uh, the big guns, a writer for uh, Daily Grindhouse, amongst many other sites. And uh, what assistant editor and editor assistant
2: what? editor at Daily Grindhouse um, and then kind of freelance around town at the A.V. Club and Consequence
0: of Sound and Fandor and also uh, a, and whoever will take me a big <laughs> uh, like myself and, and also Dion and a big John Carpenter fan. Yeah, so we want to welcome back graciously to the show our first th- our first guest on the show back when we did a, a guest over as like a kind of a sidecast with Fright Night yep which was just post the halloween season it was yep. november
1: and, and that was the episode where my mom at the last minute wouldn't let dion come over because i got in trouble <laughs> and then my mom's like, ain't sleeping over blakes tonight so not after the last time yeah
0: and then we had him here earlier uh, in mid summer a couple months ago the
1: blues brothers yeah
0: so we're welcome back <laughs> his poor mom got all the way to <laughs> chicago she turned around and drove him back <laughs> uh we're gonna welcome back to the show uh mighty Mike Vanderbilt. Thank
2: you very much for having me, guys. Ladies well, and gentlemen. <laughs> again, still a big fan of the show, and um, it's
1: it's surreal being here in the basement again. Yeah, this time you're in Blake's basement. We were in my mom's basement <laughs> this last time. I was sleeping over my yeah. my parents'
0: house. It's really nice.
1: Yeah, more of the piney wood paneling
2: here, <laughs> which I like.
1: But uh, you do like the bar that he has over here with the with the um, cushion, the cushion <laughs> on the the, you know, know. the Naga hide yeah. kind of yeah. thing it's, on it's the really end. Really oh, yeah. nice.
2: It's sharp. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I found some old. Tom Collins mix <laughs> down there. We yeah. should have been drinking that. Jack, that's for JD sure.
1: with the with the different top. And I don't <laughs> know how you got a
2: bottle of Malort all
0: the <laughs> way from Chicago. down there. Yeah, it's, it's his
1: family, you know. <laughs> so, but uh, so this
0: is uh, I don't know. This is a tough one. Now you were. here is the question. Here is I got so many questions. I know it's a big that's one and statements. Yes. Uh, there I I do feel a certain kinship to this movie, but at the same time. I mean, I guess maybe it's over time. I remember not too long ago, maybe sometime earlier this year or last year, somebody tweeted to me at Score to Death. uh, Aside from Halloween, what's your favorite? What are your favorite? Like, what's your? What are your favorite John Carpenter movies? And I pointed out, and it is true. I was like, Halloween's like not even in my, not even top tier for me.
1: Really. Of oh, yeah. John Carpenter, yeah.
0: Piece. Like, I'd throw for me, Halloween would be somewhere in the middle, but there was a period of time when Dion and I met and we were in film school together. That's me, <laughs> uh, where I got full on, I went full on, yeah, <laughs> horror, yeah, and also John Carpenter. Uh, I uh, like I was I became a John Carpenter fan before we got into school, but then it was like every, almost
1: off-putting. It was scary. Everything
0: got ramped up. We had a two-tape <clears throat> Anchor Bay release. We should point out that you know Halloween is one of the great evergreen releases of all time. There are more... Re- this like the, the Evil Dead movies. There's mm. no yeah.
1: other... Plus maybe Wizard of Oz. ...film that's been <laughs>
0: distributed more in, in like, different editions from different companies. I'm or, sure you
2: had the Blockbuster Classics <laughs> edition. Yeah.
0: There was a period where Dion was like... You know, like you should just—you need to get them all because, like, you have the whole. Because I cause one of the,
2: go <laughs> back to get get a
1: print. <laughs> he's a, go one get of the, old. the
2: best ones that I had growing up, even though I had already had it, like probably in the media release and definitely the blockbuster classic editions. I had a Brown Run M E D A Mita that was just yeah, yeah. in a brown clamshell wow. with a blue label that said Halloween, and I wish I still had it.
1: Yeah. But I'm sure it just got lost. And Blake prided somewhere. himself; he's been collecting them all. I've you had, know, I've had them all since the sophomore year of college. Maybe since the the, the two tape clam. Was it was a clamshell. It was a
0: plastic clamshell two tape orange
1: yeah. tapes. Oh, I remember that yeah. one from Anchor Bay. And then you could take the the slip cover out and switch it, maybe or something. Yeah, I don't probably know. It came out around. Or it, it looked or like 99. a book. Yeah, you know, it looked like a leather. Yeah, mountain. exactly. Around that's that's that time. when all the Anchor Bay stuff was yeah. coming out. And, and that's when I was working in the at it of, uh, Anchor yeah. Bay was probably
0: might have been the first time it was released in home media in in widescreen. Yeah, could have been. On VHS for
2: sure, because I can tell you. Because this was pre-DVD. The reason. Or at least popularity. I owned a Laserdisc player when I was a teenager was simply because I wanted the $100 special edition two-disc set of Halloween. Wow. And I was, you know, this was the kind of kid I was. Like, my mom, I, I always wanted weird presents. Like, I wanted stuff that, like, why would a kid want that? I wanted a Laserdisc player for Christmas. And I got one. And the reason was, I mean, aside from another thing, I wanted to see
0: God Halloween. Bless you. Your
1: parents loved you. They did.
0: <laughs> yeah, he to- he's told me stories about like how they had like the mo- the Universal monster movie figures like in the kitchen on like the windows.
2: Oh, oh <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. It was a it was it, it no boundaries in the Vanderbilt household. That's great. Um, and, you know that sometimes I think my mother might regret it a little bit when she saw what what I turned <laughs> and into. And you've been
1: putting up a lot of great. I've seen. Over the years that I've known you, great pictures of you like in Halloween costumes, and I'm like, how long ago was that? And it's like amazing, like you know, like Landau or your your Lando, you're all these weird. I'm like, holy shit! I was is. that was a weird kid. Yeah,
2: weird kids. But I wanted the Halloween special edition because I wanted to hear John Carpenter's audio during This was I must have been fifty. No, I had to have been sixteen because I remember what happened was, do you guys remember Saturday matinee at the mall? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, So they had a laser disc section, but they didn't have the Halloween special edition. So I had a special yeah, order to special order of that shit. Yeah, and. Twice I drove out to Chicago Ridge Mall to go pick it up because I got the call that it was Wasn't there. It it w- no, it was the regular. Uh, not the Criterion because it's a Criterion Collection. Sure, right? yeah. It was a regular one. I was like, no, this isn't the one I want. I want this one. And the same thing happened again. And uh, I finally got it, and I still have it. I still have it. Nice. When I met John Carpenter two years ago, that's really what I wanted him to sign, and it. I your had it copy of, from the mid nineties. Yeah, and, sure. and you know, John Carpenter, he didn't give a fuck. he <laughs> didn't, he didn't <laughs> want to hear the story or nothing. You know, the, he's you know, just
1: blue smoke in your face. Yeah, like, get, get out
2: of
0: here, kid. <laughs> when I met him uh, last year, I brought the book. He's in the book. He's featured in my book, Score to Death. We should
1: get back. Yeah, we should cut in a little bit of what <laughs> your your quickly sum up your your connection with that. This technical wise. You put a book out called "Score to Death: Conversations with Some of Horror's Greatest Composers," and it's about
0: music and horror movies. And you interview interviews with composers,
1: and then you interviewed for that John Carpenter, <laughs> and who else? Uh, Harry
0: Manfredini, who did Friday the Thirteenth, uh, Christopher Young, who did the first two Hellraisers, amongst many other great movies. Alan Guys Howarth. from Go- Guys from Goblin, Howarth, who did Halloween scores four, five, and six by himself, but also worked with Carpenter on the Halloween scores for Halloween 2 yep. and Halloween
1: 3. You w- recently wrote liner notes for uh, the the vinyl special editions from... Mm, death Waltz Yep, uh, for Halloween's Halloween 4, four and five, and 5. Which they got they, your freaking name I wrong. Was saying,
2: but that wasn't you. That was a different guy. Yeah, that yeah,
1: was Blake. That was Jay. Blake J. Blake J. Not J. F- Blake. The funniest
2: thing was how like, I... Is like <laughs> J. <Jay> Blake. He's
0: <laughs> yeah. got so many guts. The funniest thing is how I discovered that was they had posted a picture on Instagram kind of teasing it. The release was a couple months ago. So somewhere in July, they uh, posted something teasing the release. And there was like pictures of the covers, but not the full covers. But right in the bottom corner of the picture, (laughs) it said liner notes by Blake J. Didn't even get my full last name in the picture, in the framing. And the only reason why I even heard about it was somebody commented tagging me hey, isn't At Scored to Death's name J. Blake Fischer, not Blake J. Vachera? And because they tagged me in it, I saw the thing, and then I looked at it, and was like, what the F? f- what the fuck? Is that's <laughs> O'Netters.
1: O- yeah. and uh, so, that's so I'm trying to bring in some of your professional prestige under this movie, and then you've well, interviewed Car- Carpenter a couple times, Howarth you've become friends with. Yeah, Howarth um, I've become
0: friendly with. Howarth is also uh, right around this time... Because I I did this interview a long time ago, but I'm also I have uh, on my podcast, Scored to Death, the podcast for the month of October is uh, an extended interview with Howarth about his work on the Halloween movies, Uh, specifically the Halloween scores. So it's all about uh, his working with Carpenter on two and three and then his work on four, five and six. Very Halloween centric. Interview for obviously the 40th anniversary, but also for just October. And have
1: you interviewed uh, Castle or any connection there or Wallace? Haven't you had some quota? I thought you had some sort. I've of
0: met Nick Castle a few okay. times. Um, uh, I've given Nick a copy of the book as a present, and he was the one that was like, "You ever think about having Craig Saffin? Did you think about having Craig Saffin in the book?" And I said, "You know, I, I would have," and I, I believe I even tried to maybe reach out to him. Um, Although he didn't really do a whole lot of horror movies, but he has been on the podcast. It was a, a really great interview. Um, last Starfighter. One last favorite, Starfighter. One of my
2: favorite scores of all time. One of my favorite...
0: Remo theme. Williams. <laughs> Avengers. a <laughs> podcast
2: about Remo, Remo Williams, right? We did, and it's, it's a yeah, running joke the bottom.
0: for Mike because I'm always pushing the Remo Williams podcast <laughs> yeah. on
2: Mike. I've heard about that one. I've never listened to
0: it. But he did Halloween. He did Nightmare on Elm Street 4. 4. He did... Uh, Fade to Black, which White was, a good one. Which was Ir- the pr- producer, executive producer, of, or producer of Halloween, Erwin Ir- LeBlondes. Le- Le Le His follow-up to Halloween was Fade to Black. Mm. Uh, he did Nightmares. Nightmares. Oh,
2: with Emilio Estevez, uh, <laughs> the Bishop of Battle.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, We have jokes that we only get. There uh, are jokes. Emilio Estevez.
2: Oh, yeah. It's the only time anybody did. ever saw that movie was when I, it, it always showed on A&E when I was growing up. Like, A&E didn't show a lot of movies, but they showed that in Repo Man all in, the time. In The Beguiles. and The begu-
0: no, the, the, the Begotched. The Begotched. The Begotched. The, begotched. the a- a- A&E copy. Uh, and, I, and
1: I've expressed my love and my passion for John Carpenter in previous all episodes. All things John Carpenter. So, cut to, you just said, when I met John Carpenter, a couple, because he was talking about when he had him sign. Oh, yeah. So, this. I
0: brought a copy of the book, um, well John has a copy of the book. And funny enough, Cody, his son, who I've gotten to know and has been both on an episode for Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers as a movie lovers episode, and has been on the Scored to Death podcast. He loves Transformers the movie, by the way. I, yeah, that's <laughs> an absolute
2: favorite of mine. I, oh, yeah. I loved it. I think you told me that. I was like, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. I mean, he just... Uh, I'll rip
3: out your optics! Oh,
2: he so just good.
0: recently, in September, I just came back from California... <laughs> yeah. I went back to California a couple of weeks ago in September for my birthday, and I got to see uh, Vince Takola. Hmm. who did the soundtracks for Rocky Four and Transformers. I love his score for uh,
2: Transformers. I went
0: to go see him live and Cody was in the band, so that was very exciting.
1: Oh wow. <laughs> oh, okay, that's a big
0: deal for him. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. awesome. They uh, gotta
1: let us know, uh, you know, if they play if they played some songs, uh Transformer songs. But anyway.
0: And of course Cody also just recently did the new Halloween score with his dad for the new upcoming movie.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's and, set to come uh, up, we just talked about, yeah.
0: And no promises, but, uh, might be coming all back on the score to death very soon nice. this, this month to talk about doing that, uh, that experience. But, uh, you brought the book to Carpenter. I brought the book to Carpenter and I said, uh, cause I wanted a picture of me with Carpenter and the book. Cause I wouldn't have written the book had it not been for John.
1: And Carpenter. you'd already interviewed him over the phone. you guys a chatted, And Cody told me, oh, my dad's got a copy
0: of your book on his coffee table, which was like, ah, th- that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And so I brought the book and I said uh I said I wrote this book and you're in it. And he's like, "Let me see it." And he picked it up. And he's like, "Look, look and I said, like, he's like, "I have a copy of this." And I was like, "Yeah, cuz I fucking gave it to you." <laughs> it sounds like John Carpenter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: I gave him a drinks on Monday, beer coozies and he just looked, at me goes, "What's this?" I go, "It's just a thing. Just take it." <laughs> <laughs> Please take it. Please. I'm put tired your, of him crowding put my your
0: peels can yeah. in it when you drink beer. Yeah. yeah. I tried to get Cody to be like, "What th- would your when your dad if your dad drinks, and what does he drink? He's like, he used to drink a certain brand of beer. I can't remember what it was. I would have known to know that. Molson. Yeah, it was probably something. That's, well, that's what he, was like, That's what how I, he got the Halloween I, two script. I was script, like, I'm right? guessing Did it it's say was fueled by a lot of Budweiser. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm guessing it was domestic. He's something like regional, yeah, definitely probably. domestic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, so, John Carpenter, my favorite filmmaker, huge part of my life. I mean, I, pro- you know, we've now he's probably the most represented filmmaker. On Saturday night movie sleepovers, I've often uh, dubbed him the patron saint of sleepovers. Blake pushes him every (laughs) other every other month. We're doing another Carpenter because so much of this, like, I don't feel like this show would exist, not in this form anyway. This format, discussing these kinds of movies, had it not been for my love for John Carpenter and sleepover experiences, the movies that I enjoyed, uh, obviously that Dion enjoyed, also kind of growing up, but. A lot of fun memories to me. Like John Carpenter movies are the quintessential sleepover movies because you. I was just talking. You know, in July I, I interviewed the composer, French composer Rob who did the, scored the remake of Maniac. He scored uh, this the French movie that became, that was a kind of flash of the pan real quick in terms of like internet, people talking about it, revenge. Uh, he's worked with Alexandre Aja on a bunch of stuff. And I was talking to him about John Carpenter and he was like, Halloween's not my favorite, but Halloween's his best. And Halloween's kind of perfect. And, um, and we were talking about how like you discover John Carpenter when you're like 12, 13 and I was, and how like Halloween was such a big impact. I was like, you know, probably too early to see it when you're that age, <laughs> <coughs> but also at the same time like the perfect age to see it. Absolutely, you know, is kind of the most important. I said, well, ha- Carpenter's kind of like the best, at least for I. I can only speak from a male point of view because I'm a male. Mm-hmm. But as a I young see as a young mm-hmm. as a young male, like Carpenter movies are like the perfect tween early teenage movies because. They're cool. Like n- Escape from New York is cool. Big Trouble cool in Little is such ch- an
2: intangible thing, but like that's exactly what Escape from New York is. Yeah, yeah. Big
0: Trouble in Little China probably like the coolest movie ever made.
2: Uh, we loved it. That was one of those movies when I was a kid. Big Trouble in Little China. Like me and the neighborhood kids, we all just were like, "Why are there no toys from from this?" And we would use our GI Joes as playing as different guys, as different guys, you know, yeah. because that was the closest thing. Just was those, they were ninjas and stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: and Which, so that's one of the reasons why John Carpenter is so important to me. He's big influence. Like I said, he wouldn't the book wouldn't have existed. So now the questions. I like The this. question portion of the show. That I will... It's like the McLaughlin group. <laughs> no. Now Dion and I... Wrong! Papu <laughs> <laughs> Dion Deanna... and I often try to put things into context. And there certainly can do this with this movie. I think part of... A big part of the importance of this movie for cinema is the fact that it came out 1978, and it's the popularity of this movie is what not it's not the first slasher movie, but it was the success of this movie that then spawned the slasher craze in the 80s. So, taking aside, putting aside the fact its importance in the grand scheme of cinema and and its legacy, opening the doors as a movie specifically, is it one actually scary? Part two, B. <laughs> I'm writing these down.
2: Is it overrated? I don't think you can overrate Halloween. I think there's so much. Where can I start? Like Halloween was one of those movies that was just always around. It was ubiquitous when I was a kid. Mm. I don't think I actually sat down and watched until I was maybe, God, nine, ten. Yeah. Like, I, again, no boundaries in the Vanderbilt house. Right? Because <laughs> there was this, and this is a story I always like to tell because Halloween would be on TV. And I always thought that the first movie was actually about the boogeyman, mm-hmm. not Michael Myers. And the yeah. second one was about Michael Myers. Like I had this weird thing conflated in my head, you know. And then I remember making it a point one Friday afternoon after school we're going to rent Halloween 1, 2, and 3. Because I think those were the only ones that were on home video yet because 4 came out in 88, although I do remember what my parents rented for. Uh, yes, uh, and I, I just I loved it, and there's something, and they talk about this a little bit on the uh, my buddy Mike Rothman, Michael Rothman from the Council of the Sound, he has a podcast called Halloweenies, which is an all Halloween podcast, and they do about three, the film? Just about all the movies. The franchise like anything, well. Not anything, the holiday. Or the no, <laughs> not the holiday. I'm sure they'll do an episode about yeah. that. And he said something that I completely agree with about how there's a certain warmth to the movie that you kind of want to live in the neighborhood mm. and I think that's something that as I've gotten older I genuinely appreciate and it's like comfort food and as far as is it scary I was, I'm was i a grown man I was watching it one night before we were doing a 48 hour film project where you shoot a movie write, produce a movie in 48 hours edit it and I was at home in my old apartment and I was watching it and there was a scene that just Still got under my skin at like 37 years old where I kind of like Made it a point to make sure that my door <laughs> Was locked yeah. And I think it's just uh, I mean Cartman's a craftsman Yeah, And I love that he took Like th- That this isn't something that was close to his heart You know that this wasn't Something that He has a script that he always wanted to write It was a paid gig it's called the babysitter Murders and he wrote it And he just turned it into this thing and is it overrated? No. Is it still scary? Yes. I guess that was a long
1: way to get to that answer.
0: Yeah, I just think it's it's by far his most talked about movie. It's my favorite. of his, Well, I think it's probably honestly. because
1: of how, you know, how detrimental and how and time, you, you know, yeah, maybe you, can't, you can't separate it, from, you know, the, from it being its legacy. Yeah, I mean, I me growing up, I was always a Jason Voorhees fan, so I wasn't a franchise Halloween fan. I knew this well. Uh, It wasn't one of my favorites. Uh, When it was on, I'd watch it, and and I love how it's shot, how Kundi shoots. It's very, for me, the old-school way, which I love, where you play a lot of stuff in long shots or three shots. You don't jump in for close-ups. And I absolutely love that because it's indicative of the old studio era or especially the 70s and how they – did the t- color temperature and they made it look kind of like Chinatown from 74. I love all that. I love the aesthetic of it. I mean, yeah. The, it's just a the great, steady cam, it's know, a The steadicam, you know, the pacing. It's a great looking movie. I mean, yeah. if, it's, uh, if it's overrated, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure, you know, you, you can't be, uh, you know, you can't, Take yourself out of it, and remove yourself, and be objective it's about hard to that. Do. It's like, you know, talk
2: about Star Wars.
1: I mean, it, it is it is a long build up to the end. You know, there's a lot of suspense adding. I don't know if you can get away with that. Some of the, you know, some of the. But I think what really today, sells it, not only
2: like you talk about suspense, is that the characters. Yeah, I like those three girls. I want to hang
1: out with those three. Yeah, <clears throat> and, and you know, and, and that is a, is a item that. Uh, gets completely like bastardized in the 80s where you have that template of the people having sex whatever were these people a little more truer like watching it the scene where you see the 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 little boy at school and the kids are taunting him it's like even though that movie this movie is from 78 it's like you're our age it's like that was our that was our era of growing up in school you wore those jackets you had those kind of you know so even though it's 78 and we grew up in the early 80s. To me, that's just the same era, you know, so it's like you completely identify with all that kind of stuff and how yeah. everything looked and the feel and then the people and, you know, they're not necessarily bad. I mean, they're No, just, you know, like,
2: I mean, in, in, in a less, you know, under a less skillful eye, like uh, PJ Soul's character would be kind of uh, written as a stereotypical bitch character. Which you saw in a little, some of the late era Fighter the 13th movies where you kind of wanted to see that character get their comeuppance. Yeah. Like, there's no character in Halloween that you want to see die. Not even, um, uh, not even Lonnie. Yeah. And Lonnie's a little shit. Hey!
0: Lonnie, yeah. oh, gets your ass
2: away from that. That little smile that Loomis gives. <laughs> he's right like, he's after like happy he to himself. wait just a bit yeah. too long yeah.
0: because Tara uh, Braggen didn't show up yeah. fast enough. <laughs> <laughs>
2: he had a moment where he was actually having a good time. <laughs> yeah,
0: the, only <laughs> time the only time, time you ever
2: seen Loomis have, a, good, have, I a, have also, a laugh.
0: I should also point out just another, I don't know if this, this I wouldn't necessarily consider this a credential, but uh, there's a British documentary called For the Love of the Boogeyman, 40 Years of Halloween or something to that extent and I was asked to be a talking head awesome. in that documentary. always wanted so, to be a talking head in a documentary. So I, I talk a little it was a very weird experience. Is it out? It's out. I don't know I don't know what their plans are for distribution. Oh okay. <laughs> well, I know if, if we can find a, it maybe we could put a link a lot to of this. reviews.
1: In this uh, cast not you know. all of
0: them favorable. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's not neither near here or there to you. you no, you're no. just a contributor. No. please
2: everybody all the time.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. But so in uh, uh,
1: Get a lot of good points brought up
0: and, and I'd like to address some of them because I've always said that Carpenter is of the filmmakers that became popular in his generation. The Scorsese you gotta, It's hard to you, you can't forget that Carpenter is part of this Film school generation Absolutely. I mean he's slightly younger than say like Coppola and, and maybe Scorsese or Lucas. And, and Lucas but Yeah how old know, was he when he shot Halloween I mean he's years. probably And they went to the same school as Lucas yeah. So Lucas probably was like fresh out of USC When Carpenter was in USC Yeah When he was making like Dark Star And, uh, and when we did Star Wars We talked a little bit about Dark star, dark star and like and and stuff like that but um above all, for me I always feel like Carpenter more than any of those guys is less of a quote unquote artist and more of a craftsman. I agree. In, I agree in some him. way he's like he's a director out of out of time. Like he's kind of he came too late. Like he's definitely his hero's. I mean, like, yes, Hitchcock, but obviously Howard, 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 Howard yeah. Hawks, Ford. Well, he's a Western guy.
1: He grew up on the Western, which is amazing. And I
0: think Halloween, he has the benefit of Halloween not being his first feature. Yeah. So many of these guy horror movie directors of, of his generation, Romero a couple years, you know, earlier, uh, Hooper, Cronenberg, all of their...
2: Kind of cut their teeth on horror.
0: Yeah, but so even though their movies, those like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, masterpiece. Yeah, Night of the Living Dead, masterpiece. Shivers, you know all those other Cronenberg's great films. Love them. Nothing knocking them. Not knocking them at all. They never How, spoke
2: to me as much as like Texas Chainsaw or Halloween
0: did. But Halloween is like a polished gem. You know, and and it's a
1: mainstream kind in,
0: of release as well. In that like as great as those movies are iconic important movies that i love they're a little rough around the edges
2: well that's one of the things like uh texas chainsaw Massacre, uh we had it on at the rock island public house and i was standing there watching it and like the whole bar was just sitting there watching this movie and it's like yes that unpolishedness adds to texas chainsaw it's so important to that you, movie but you get a feeling you're watching something transgressive that you're or it is transgressive because you get a feeling you're watching something that you shouldn't be watching.
1: Yeah, you're almost like, a, it's like a snuff film. You're like yeah. a character there. <laughs> like, Because uh, you know, it, it's so greasy and forced, it's so grimy. Uh, yeah.
0: But that wouldn't have worked with
1: Halloween. No, no.
0: And it, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre polished wouldn't have worked for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, yeah, but right.
1: I think, I think part of the Carpenter's allure with Cundy shooting this Halloween is just how stuff, the aesthetics of how it looks and yeah, some well, of these that's setups that's point. It's like Halloween, you get the Halloween, you know, like I said,
0: I think he, it's benefited by the fact that it's not his first movie. He, he got a chance. Like like to Dark, cut Dark Star his is very rough. Around Dark Star is rough around the edges. Yeah.
2: Yeah. on Precinct thirteen, much
0: more polished, but, but
2: still know, feels, still it, still feels, like it still feels like a lower budget, and it still feels a little transgressive because it is kind of, it can be kind of nasty. And he and yeah, and he learns
1: it, stuff like fucked up story situations in that movie. He learns to change for this movie, or just the, 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 the audience won't hate him more as much. But he plays the movie. But yeah. Halloween is like a. It's Mo- like a real movie. Yeah, because he. Put- <laughs> it's a, a,
2: well, it's an independent film, but it almost. And you can, definitely can see the, the, the budget constraints, but it no, doesn't look any different than. Not that much different from a studio picture from the late 70s, yeah. and I think is what the point you're trying yeah, to make.
0: Yeah. Like Carpenter is. It's slick. It's slick, and it's slick in a way that other horror movies of the same ilk and budget were at that time I mean by then we had The Exorcist we had The Omen we had like there was this like resurgence of horror in like bigger studio things but for the kind of movie it was I think one of the reasons why it stands out is because it looks and feels so good well he
1: uh, you know for him to play a lot of stuff in wide shots like stuff that I don't I don't know at the time if you can find something comparable a studio movie that was you know a lot of it was at the time, was about cutting close-ups, you know that kind of thing, where he plays stuff in these wide. Well, it's more of a classic yeah, style, and the, in the sense, so that do you think
2: that's uh, Carpenter and his eye, and like his style, or could be or do you think a little bit, of, or Cundy, or do you think that was kind of a budgetary thing, whereas like you're like, well, we only have so much film, could so be. we have to, but I it think works
1: because of you know frame setups and staging. I think things.
0: it's a couple of things. I think it's the innovation of the Panaglide which is like the Panavision version of the Steadicam, which was a new device at the time. We talked brand new, right? We talk a lot about it. We talk about the Steadicam in Rocky, which is two years before this movie. Uh, Carpenter's first use of it was in Someone's Watching Me, the television movie. Yeah. But he says that was a good place to try it out because that was like the test. That was like, not the test, but like the rehearsal. And it
2: was hard to, I mean,
0: <laughs> it's one of these things where,
2: I mean, I'm sure any Halloween fan worth their... Salt knows that it was a big rig. Yeah, that somebody yeah, had to wear, heavy. and they could only wear it for so long yeah. before you're just like, I got to put this thing down. Yeah, I
0: know. I've used more recent small, you know, cons- you know, smaller versions with cameras that are a lot smaller rigs. Yeah, for video, and even then, it's cumbersome.
1: Well, you got to know how with a steady cam. You got there's a certain way you have to, uh, you know, put the weight on, and yeah. you're using parts of your back muscles that you're not usually get used you kind of have to sit into it because you have to offset yeah, the, 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 the weight the you have to find like <laughs> a center of balance Yeah, and then it's very awkward when you get yourself to be able to just start moving but it. I
0: think because of that you can't be like changing up lenses you kind of have to use a prime lens it has to really have to use kind of a wider angle lens so that it doesn't seem almost as, everything's in focus then. so that it's as smooth as possible and your focus is better because you're also using a s- it's very slow film stock so you need a lot of light to and be able to
1: film and but so much of it is
0: kind of outside but well, it's mm-hmm.
1: indicative of movement too you can't be uh, rack and focus because you're going to be doing shots I mean. so That's you like need to everything... have everything to 25 or 10 to keep s- stay in focus so that you know and everything and of
0: course like everybody points to the sh- the opening of the movie as being like the pov but he had to u- there was dollies he was using dolly tracks but i would imagine a lot of it was well, there's a lot PJ of like
2: tj trips over to dolly uh <laughs> Uh, yeah. Track, yeah. Uh, when she's uh, hanging out with Bob,
0: <laughs> yeah, in in the Wallace house. Yeah. But uh, a lot. I of always the... wrote it
2: off. She tripped. O- she has tripped over the, <laughs> the rug or something. Yeah, exactly. You know?
0: <laughs> but I would imagine that a lot. They must have utilized it a lot in the outside stuff. The girls walking down the street. The other thing that really helps this movie look so great is movement. I think that's something that a lot of young filmmakers, and it's something that we kind of discovered in film school, and we couldn't always do it.
2: Just but, because of the nature of the just, equipment you're using. But, like,
0: smooth movement adds so much, like, production value yeah. to so, it.
2: Um, We always, I used to, uh, this is the first year, I'm not going to do it in a while, but we do the 48-hour film project where you to shoot, you know, a movie, do it all in two hours. And I went online to figure out how to build a dolly track. And we used it in this one movie that was, uh, it was a parody of Lifetime Channel kind of things. And uh, just this low-rent dolly with a DSLR, like... Talk about production value. Yeah. Like, it looks better. You're like, well, can it? Isn't it the same if you're just walking with it handheld? No, it's no, not. No, it's not.
1: And you know it when you when you see it. If you keep an eye out for that sort of thing. Uh, Blake and I in film school, I had vetted something called the ghetto dolly, and the ghetto dolly actually just was taking my old radio flyer and putting Blake on his back. You know, and I would pull him. Yeah. And for the most part, we we put some cardboard down and we roll over, and that, that was pretty smooth. And it's one of the things that I hate about like I had some modern, good dolly trucks in, in my movies. Till
0: to this day, I, I look, you know, you look at more modern TV and and films, and you're like, well, could they could these people not afford a tripod? <laughs> yeah, like well, I, I know it's, so, it's now that I know fancy. it's supposed yeah. to make it like you know yeah. energetic and action, but yeah. and it's just it's just like it looks so ugly. So I think it sets a precedent. The innovation do with this of the panaglide and. Forces their hand in a certain aesthetic, yeah, with wide shots and stuff
1: like that. Well, that's another thing is his shot composition. You have a lot of things play foreground, middle ground, background, and then there's a lot of setups and payoffs because of that. You're playing everything wide like that. It's it's you know if they're outside, natural daylight, just the the how they just the the, the business within the scene of crossing and the blocking. Now one know, of, one of the I reason- remember Deborah Hill on the com- the
2: the commentary track on the old Criterion Laserdisc, which I'm sure is still on a one of the numerous DVD or Blu-ray releases <laughs> sure, of Halloween, yeah, yeah. like, it always cracks me up that like I spent hundred dollars on that LaserDisc. I can get the same thing at Target for five bucks with more stuff. Yeah. It, where Deborah Hill talked about the dappled sunlight that was coming through the when they were filming the streets when uh, the girls were walking home from school and how like it was just kind of a happy accident, but like it adds to that aesthetic to that look. Yeah. And why it looks so great. Although I'd be hard pressed on, uh, in uh, Illinois to find that many <laughs> trees with leaves on them no, in, uh, in, in October, well, on, October that, yeah. on October thirty first, it's kind
0: of a beautiful, sl- beautiful sleight of hand. This aspect of they shot it in mostly most of the neighborhood stuff they shot is in so- South Pasadena, except for the end of the movie is shot in West Hollywood. Yeah. Um, last year, almost a year ago, almost exactly a year ago. I was in California, and I did a little p- pilgrimage. Uh, and I think we probably talked about it a
1: little bit in our Back to the Future episode. Or maybe even the Christine cast. And probably Christine. Because they shot in some of this it's stuff. It's the same neighborhood. Where they yeah, shot yeah, the definitely talked about on Back to the Future.
0: Yeah. yeah. And where George McFly and Lorraine live is this, is not exactly the same neighborhood, but not within walking distance, same place as... All the stuff in South Pasadena. South Pasadena is now well. Pasadena in general has become like one of my favorite places, and I want to move there. (laughs) (laughs) But so it's very interesting to watch this movie for the first time, having now been to all those locations. Yeah. And it still looks. Did you go sit on the stoop? I heard the where Lori's
2: stoop is, like the woman who owns the house, like keeps pumpkins there, so
0: that you can take a picture with it i didn't go sit anywhere but i did i <laughs> i did see laurie's house i went the myers house isn't where it was it's now somewhere else but i saw the myers yeah house. they like picked it up and moved it somewhere and it's I, an office or yeah, something it's like a real estate office or something i walked through i saw where annie and linda live the shrubs i went and i walked to tommy while tommy doyle's school <laughs> to see where that was and then the next day i went to west hollywood and i and i walked around that neighborhood but um Beautiful sleight of hand In that What they did was They basically like Got a bunch of brown leaves I don't know if they painted them Or anything
2: but I think they did I think I read that they did Spray yeah. paint them And they, they had, had like they three garbage bags Yeah, so yeah. They And
0: they would just like have Throw them in front of a fan And even though All the other trees Have uh, tr- Have uh, All the other trees Have leaves on them And even in the distance On some of the white shots You can see palm trees Sure Yeah The fact that there's these Fall leaves blowing around and on the street. And I have a feeling they color
1: timed it a little bit sepia. Yeah. When you walk around. That's a lot why they're that going stuff. for that Chinatown kind of look of this, you know.
0: It yeah. does, it creates this like cold autumn brown, brown kind environment. of
2: environment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it does. I mean, I will say, as much as I do not appreciate as an adult the Halloween sequels, uh, you know, the opening of Halloween 4 does capture that Midwest in autumn thing Yeah Probably the best Out of any of the movies But I mean I will say Like you watch Halloween Like it reminds me Of being a kid Around Halloween time On the south side of Chicago That yeah. neighborhood I mean It is It's you know California But like you said Sleight of hand It works It does It works
0: Yeah uh, One of the reasons Why I posed those questions As to whether it's overrated. Whether it's really scary, it's because going into this, I'm
2: sure somebody at well, some website somewhere is coming up with the Halloween is overrated. <laughs> what's your What's uh, your take keys. on that stuff?
1: <laughs> to answer your own question, hat.
0: <laughs> I'm sitting oh. up for this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Getting off the couch. The
1: reason why I pose
0: this question is because coming into this screening, I was like, Halloween's not even close to being my favorite Carpenter movie. Even though I, you know, I have some kind of weird kinship with it. You know, like it's a special movie to me. I've kind of grown out of it i i was gonna say we're gonna talk about in this podcast we're gonna talk about all these things of like the reason why it's quote-unquote scary although like i don't find this movie scary so it's like i feel like almost a fraud it was all these things that i was like i feel like i think compared to his other movies yes it's overrated but we sat and we watched this movie and i was like this movie is fucking scary and this movie, <laughs> you know, it was like, it's almost like I'd seen it so many times. The muscle memory. It was, I had taken this movie for granted. Yeah. Like, cause now it's like, even though I might watch it, I very rarely will sit and watch it in its entirety. You know, it's been like, it's just like, it's been, I do, I take this movie for granted. And it was this thing where we often talk about, I bring up on many of our episodes, this, the goal my goal in watching movies in this podcast, when Dion and I watched them, and now since Mike's here, when we sit down and we watch a movie, I try to leave, check my baggage, leave it at the door, and watch this movie, my best, innocent, new eyes, remind re- like watch it as a kid. As the first time. And watching it that way, this viewing, like, no, this movie's not overrated.
2: It's is fucking scary. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to add something to that because that's something that I try to do uh, as a critic over at Daily Grind House. Like sometimes I feel like I'm too harsh on new movies, you know, because what I have to try and do is take a step back and look at the movies that I liked when I was a kid. That I loved when I was a kid. That mm. I still love now. Even though you know, you can say eh, you know I love Streets of Fire, but there's like a good chunk where it's like yeah, they're missing. They should have had another musical number or something. It's like would I have written that review the first time. I saw it and you to just try to be a little more positive and look at it with those eyes of yeah. a kid. Yeah. And is it effective? Does it work? And like, it's like, and I think a lot of things about being scary, like people say, well, I didn't like that. Movie. That's a horror movie, but it wasn't scary. Like most horror movies don't scare me. I'm yeah. 38 years old, but like to try and take a step back and like, there's a certain nostalgia for fear that like, you know, Freddy Krueger terrified you when you were yeah. a kid. You couldn't watch that movie at 10 o'clock at night when you were a kid. Now if it's on at eleven o'clock it, you know, the only movie that I can't put on like that late at night is The Exorcist. That's <laughs> the one that still gets under my skin. Yeah. But like, yeah, uh, there's a nostalgia for fear. Yeah. That I think you do like you take a step back. Don't look at it as a critic. Look at it as a kid watching this movie for the first time. I mean it's
1: slow it certainly is a slow burn. I mean it it builds up to this kind of Pay off at the it, end. It, I do weird, wonder if
2: I'd whine about it now. If Halloween came out now and there was you know, no I don't Halloween think you'd before, be able if to, I'd say, "Well, you know, it takes a while to get going." I don't you know? think the
1: pacing. I think the pacing wouldn't work today. I mean, it's so it's, weird you, know, you, s- you say that because, like, yes, you're absolutely correct. But at the same
0: time, watching at this time, I was like, it, it draws you in. It it, it at the same. Well, the characters at the know? same time? It kind of moves. At a You know At a brisk. clip yeah. You know what I mean Like It, it, has it gets a lot thing. done
1: in, in, a, in an hour and a half But <laughs> <And what laughs> I, I love that Before it started, you
0: know it She's at Tommy Doyle's house And yeah. it's like We're now in the thir- You know We're now On the straightaway yeah.
2: What I love that it does that I think Okay so I go to these Film festivals and I see a lot of Low budget horror movies And a big thing now And it probably always was Like It's a slow burn It's kind of a drag yeah. Until the end yeah. And you get these Awesome last ten, yeah. fifteen. Maybe opens big. Yeah. But like and then settles into a lull. Until they the don't end. even give the big opening though. Yeah. Halloween gives that big opening. Like I think it's almost like like a song, like open, you know, verse, chorus, verse, yeah. chorus. You know, you need something big to kinda you're lying. It, Halloween opens right off right out the gates with, you know, a murder, with a kill, which it's, is something you want yeah, in the you, know, even, that you it, love. It, it
0: opens like money for nothing.
2: <laughs> I want <my>. And yes, <laughs> and it just gives you something big right off the bat. Like, and you're just kind of enthralled. Like, what did I just Even, see? even the
1: epic, the credit sequence for me, it's like I love the world. Like, I think it's like Friday the Thirteenth, Part Five or Four, when they start having those epic credit sequences. Oh, like where you have for the hockey mask when it swings in, yeah, and, uh, it and explodes. You, it's, yeah, back. so it's like you have that. You, it comes up, and you're in the world of the credits, and you go past the the the, the, the pumpkin, best, but know? the
0: best credit sequence of the series if you're gonna you're talking about like the the jack-o'-lantern yeah yeah you go past that Halloween you know. five has like the and like it's like all these you knives know all in, these island yeah. howworth like and he talked about he talks about in the podcast that's coming up on and scored to death how like those sounds were like a metal ruler that he had i was like <laughs>
2: i love foley trickery and it's like, like
0: all this like stabbing knives and then it pulls away and that's like just the carving of a pumpkin <laughs> That, uh,
2: that, I mean that opening I mean that opening Credit sequence is iconic And it's like It, it is a wonder there's, a, there's an article I did for Daily Grindhouse That I found There's a clip online That I wrote about From a screening of Halloween In 79 In California Like somebody made An audio recording Yeah, of it yeah. And, and synced it, it up YouTube. With the end of the movie And like imagine Going into a movie theater And just Hearing that
1: theme yeah. For the first time And like I think It's like instantly Well that's That's right. another thing Is I think a lot to me makes this movie is the soundtrack if you take the soundtrack out and they might even say they played this to an audience without the I've soundtrack right they, they, and it's very
0: i've asked carpenter about it it's not in the book i cut it out because he really had nothing to say about it, <laughs> it did but, they ever show it us no <laughs> no it <laughs> was <laughs> just, <laughs> it was just answer. you know it was tough
1: because i think the soundtrack for a lot of parts keeps you going it adds that suspense that sustained note where well, it's just sustain and sustain, I you know. I think
2: that's something else that maybe it's I this mean tension. When I've edited like the short films that I've worked on, like something I've always thought about, especially when dealing a short where you only have so much time to grab the audience, like yeah. you want to keep all of their senses engaged, yeah, not just visually, yeah, but I think you know orally too. So either be it sound effects or score helps that and, you know, makes or break a movie. We've read it a million times about how many movies, like, the score kind of spanking and Halloween, like, I don't know about her percentage, but, like, it would not, I mean, it's not the same movie without the score. I,
0: I think it was, it st- was a the pr- story goes as he plays it for, I think he says a f- it's a, a Fox studio exec. When I asked him, he's like, was it Fox? I was like, I don't know, that's what you said, man. <laughs> you know, he really had nothing to say about it. You know, it was a tough you know Mike interviews people Mike's interviewed John actually he was kind of a stiff and it's he's a tough interview I got very lucky the bulk of my interview for the book i mean people have commented even in reviews for the book like he seems almost giddy like his interview for my book is reads unlike other any other interview oh, yeah. and so it was very intimidating to interview him but this idea and Mike and i have talked about this you know privately uh trying wanting to interview people when I wrote the book, my goal for the interviews, and it's the goal when we do Saturday Night Mo- Movie sleepovers, you know, but not an interview form. When we do Saturday Night Movie sleepovers, my goal, whether we succeed or not, not for me to say, probably not most of the time, is like I, my goal when we do uh, this is that this is the quintessential podcast ever done about this movie. Right. Yeah. When I did the interviews for the book, my goal was. I want to do like the quintessential interview with these guys. The most, like the biggest, most important interview. Part of that is like a good concert, it needs to be a good blend of the greatest hits. With the new material, yeah, and so and some some B side, That you know, we forgot and about. So unfortunately, a lot of these guys have answered questions about these things a million times, and they have stock answers. They're playing, they're <laughs> playing it just like they did on the album. Yeah, where you want like a killer live version. Yeah. <laughs> that takes it somewhere and, else. Well, it's like, and
2: it's like, I mean, I've done interviews with old, you know, horror guys, and they're all real easy to get. We're living in an area where, like, with Twitter and social media, you can get a hold of these guys really easily. But then it's like, you know, it's like, why am I talking to this person about? this 40 year old thing. And he's just giving me the same answers yeah. that he gave. So Gloria 40 years ago,
0: it's a hard thing. Cause you want to get them. You feel like just like, you know, Dean, when we do this podcast, we feel like there's stuff This I think more so me than Dion that feel like most people that listen to this are going to know some of this are going to know a lot of this information. Yeah. Yes. You want to cater to the people that don't know the information, but you also have to say there's going to be people listening to this, that even though they know the information, they want to hear about it again. Yeah. it's it's weird, right? <laughs> yeah, because well, they I'm like loved, they and enjoy the And I'm that way know. as a listener. I'm not. It's certainly not any kind of knock or anything. Like it's like
1: they it's, they enjoy weird, hearing stuff about the property. That, you know? And
0: yeah. you know that they it know. reaffirms their knowledge.
2: Of well, it's it. like you you get that blend of like the trip. Yeah. But I also like like when you like hosts of a show. Like I like your show. Yeah. Like I want to hear your stories about. Yeah. yeah. So theater. when
0: I interview John Carpenter, you want to hear that. You want to hear this the the about the time that he played this for a studio exec, and the studio exec says, "It's not scary. It's too long. It works too slow. It doesn't work. It's not scary." Then he goes back, doesn't change a thing other than put music on it, and now the studio exec is like, "Oh man, like this is so scary." Blah blah blah. But you don't want him to. You want to get something past that story. So, I made the mistake. He was also one of the earlier interviews, and the problem with John Carpenter is when you interview him, he's a not a talker. Yeah, he's a yes/no kind of guy, yeah, which is murder for an interviewer. Yeah. So, I tr- you try to phrase the question of like, so when you did th- you tell him the story? Yeah. Hoping that hoping that he'll he'll will mo- uh, what do I say? Uh, expound upon yeah, Expound it, yeah. upon that story, and he's like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. that's, that's totally... Or like, terribly. what did you... What Did that experience teach you anything? Tell me not to show it to anybody without the music.
1: Yeah. That's you know, like, there's no... So he's not even still, answering the, question, so, the answer with the
0: question in it, yeah. So that's, that question doesn't wind up in the book, but that's the story in, in yeah. a nutshell. I think
1: you got to take a couple things. One, w- the era comes out in... It comes out at a time where the cinema is ripe for this. I think it's maybe one of the first... Uh, You take away Bernard Herrmann in the Hitchcock years with Psycho. I mean, this is such a clutch soundtrack at the time when this comes out. And I think this is a movie that, for me personally, 50% of this movie is the sustained soundtrack. If you took the soundtrack out and you screened it without sound sound music except around the action sequences or the suspense, maybe it wouldn't carry you as much. You might get bored. many movies where a single musical sting... I'm hearing
2: it in my head right now, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and I know it. And if somebody played it on a keyboard, I'd know exactly what it was from. And it's a single note. And you know what st- – I know both of you are <laughs> yeah. thinking about it right now. <laughs> we're, we're listening to it right like, now. Like there's no in our other m- movie that I can think of. I mean, maybe if I really went back, there's a handful of like – I mean, Star Wars is one where I know where all the musical cues hit. Like I just know it. I, I can give you the next line of dialogue, you know. I could probably do it with Halloween too. And yeah. The, the score, let's say, propels it maybe. Yeah, yeah. It I, mean, it keep, a- it,
1: well, I think it it act it passively or actively engages the audience. It keeps them on their toes. Uh, you know those sustained notes. You keep it. Invi- it brings this tension because I mean it's almost for me. It's like oh, it's almost unsettling some of the notes because it's so like. And you're like, when is this gonna freaking end? Or the, or even like the, dun, 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 yeah. dun, you know, it's like, well, here's, it's the, unsettling.
2: I, one more thing on the score, though, because there's one thing I was always disappointed. I've seen Carpenter twice in concert, and I'm always disappointed that he never plays the other Halloween score. I always my biggest disappointment. You know what? The uh, there's two major themes. There's the one we all know, yeah. but then there's the other one, yeah, yeah. and he never does that one live. I, I don't.
0: No, that's well, yeah that da-da. one or I love like the Lori theme yeah, dun, dun, dun. yeah. <laughs> mm. absolutely and I've said that to Cody I've said you know as much as I love I mean I've seen I I told him I was going for the record I mean I saw Carpenter Life five times I crossed the pond to see Carpenter in London of Halloween night I'm kind of thinking about
2: heading out to uh, LA <laughs>
0: Halloween and uh I said, but the one thing I, d- you know, I wish you did more of, they do it, they did it on their track for Christine, which they closed the show, is that like, you rearrange them, make them more medleys. Their version of Fog kind of does that. Yeah. But it was like, I wish there was more to it. Like you weren't just doing it as a, uh, but that's the side yeah. point. Yeah. Carpenter, the score for Halloween recorded, Carpenter is a, c- a composer who's improvisational. Because he's not a classically trained guy. His dad was a music teacher. He played violin as a kid, which he hated because violin's very hard. And he does not know. Dorky. <laughs> By the time he was had done Halloween and I saw him precinct 13, had forgotten how to read music and stuff like that. So he's very... Uh, Think About like editing, filmmaking, I think a lot of stuff, but definitely when it comes to post production, to me as a professional editor, it's all about feel. It's like whether 100%. this frame, whether you cut it on this frame or that frame, it can be that much of a difference of like what feels right. Yeah, I've talked to editors, like I do, my editing's always
2: been it's never been professional, it's on these short films, but like I know some people keep detailed logs of where everything yeah. goes. Like me, I was always just cut and it's like it's easier to do with digital yeah. than with film cut and paste it you know or like just cut the part out well where's the what what time code is it i don't know just <laughs> the right one, the yeah, one yeah. i remember i in one of our short films uh, there was a cut that i did on the fly and it like was a door swing it's like and i nailed it yeah. and uh, the girl I was hanging i was like you're really proud of that one aren't <laughs> you? like yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, giddy up. I watch it again. Yeah. Watch it again, but it was just like the way it moved, and it wasn't like, "Well, this is where it has to happen." No, I just I think yeah. this is where it goes. It just works, yeah. yeah.
0: Now, having done the book and the podcast, I've probably interviewed almost thirty com- film music composers at this point, point. and they usually fall into two kind of camps. You get the guys that tend to be more classically trained, maybe gone to school for blah blah blah, and these are the guys where. It's almost like a genius thing. It's like they hear music in their head and it becomes almost like a dictation process. They watch the movie and while they're watching it, the score is generating itself within its within their own brain. You get more of the rock and roll guys, guys from Goblin, Claudio Simonetti, uh, John Carpenter. These guys sit down, they watch the movie and they start trying things out. Impro- they improv things. They might have ideas of where they want to go with it, certain things, yeah. but it becomes more of like trying things out, see what they like. It yeah. Carpenter did the score for Halloween in three days. Yeah. He sits down. He got da- Dan Wyman, who was a music professor for electronic music. I've seen different things that he was in USC or like San Jose university. So I don't know what exactly is true, but Dan Wyman is the guy that works with Carpenter on assault precinct 13 Halloween, the fog. I think that's it. Um, mostly like an engineer because back then it wasn't like you just push a button and you get a certain sound. Yeah, the here. You yeah. need to like tune them
2: up. You need to t- those big walls that you see like Car- uh, Rick Wakeman in <laughs> front of. Her. Carpenter
0: yeah. is not a a technical guy. Even with uh, Howarth, who starts working with in, Alan Howarth, who starts working with in Escape from New York. Alan said Carpenter was just like you know it was like I was there to get him the sound that he wanted in the beginning and. You know his only Car- Carpenter's only rule was just like just make sure you're rolling, like make sure you're recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's your job. Uh, the Halloween
2: like score has a very distinct sound to it. That I don't think any other film has really not even utilized this, not and even not even Halloween like the people two. who are kind of. I, I like the keyboard
1: synth kind of like yeah, that like electric. The, if,
2: if there's something heavy about it. There's yeah. something weird, like you said. There's something unnerving about it. Halloween too. For as much as I don't give it a pass anymore as adult, I do love what they did. With uh, the score Well that and was Howard That yeah. thing is gangbusters Because um, they built upon the original Which is obviously the classic And did make it heavier I think they make it a little faster
0: I mean I don't one. know if John would say this But according to Alan And you can listen to more about this In the <laughs> recent episode Of Score to Death Or upcoming episode Basically John was off Prepping the thing By this time By the time Halloween 2 was in post so, he says which to, he didn't direct either, right? He, no, he, he he didn't direct Halloween. Yeah, two. yeah, he produced it and wrote it with Deborah Hill. Yeah, although he did come in and recut the movie and shoot a couple of nights of extra footage and shot stuff that
1: was inserted into this for the TV. Into bird. the TV
0: version, yeah. 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 And you can listen. We have an episode on Halloween <laughs> too. Yeah, feel free to go back and hear more about that. But according to Alan, what he did was he was just like while making, I guess, Escape from New York. He says to Alan, like, you want to do Halloween too? And he's like, yeah, okay. So basically what what Alan did, because John wasn't around, like I said, this is Alan's side of the story. I'm sure John would not admit to this, or maybe he doesn't think this happened. Maybe it didn't happen. <laughs> basically, Alan worked with Deborah Hill, the producer of both and co-writer of both Halloweens 1 and 2, and he basically took John's original recordings and then just like sent the fuck out of them. And that's know? where you get Halloween how worth the crap out of them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you get like John's co written credit is that he was working with John's previous recordings, but really Alan kind of scored Halloween too. And had to do things Create connective tissues. The thing I f- always find interesting about the score is, you say music for Halloween, you get the did it yeah. five four thing. That's what everybody thinks of the, the music for Halloween. But as you kind of pointed out, and you pointed out with the show, um, with the, his live shows, like that's not just that's not all. Yeah, like, there's I, more to it than that. I love the other themes. Yeah, I probably love some of the other themes more than I love that main theme. Yeah, <laughs> dun dun. <laughs> the, when yeah. that starts playing, ding, like ding,
2: ding, ding, yeah. at and, the end, and when Lauren's she's running across the street. Across the street. Yeah. I mean, one of the most terrifying moments in the history of film. The thing yeah. about
0: John Carpenter is, like, not as a director, although I feel like maybe his strength as a director is that he can let it, th- he's not afraid to let shit play out, which in some ways could be considered simple. But his, his uh, genius as a composer and something that he says is completely out of necessity because he's not a good musician <laughs> is simplicity. So talking about talking to Claudio Simonetti, who's who's in the book, he's the original keyboard for Goblin, and he still scores stuff for Dario Argento. Uh, talking about John Carpenter's music because I wanted to talk about like contemporaries, you know. Um, and I know that Goblin, in some ways, was a bit of an influence on this score mm. you know uh, there's definitely similarities between this and Profundo Rosso Deep Red score um, and Tubular Bells yeah. but Mike Oldfield is in a 5-4 this is not a 5-4 but talking to shows up in Exorcist now Carpenter said that he had seen Suspiria by th- this point but doesn't admit or doesn't remember had, having seen Deep Red but definitely Suspiria is like one of his favorite scores of all time but talking to Claudio Simonetti, he talks about like the thing about Carpenter is like y- y- he could play a note and you know it's a John Carpenter movie. Yeah. Like you could almost play like the same note and it wouldn't be as effective. Yeah. You know, uh, talking to all these composers, the idea of like sometimes the most simple things are the ones that stick out the most. I well, look
1: at Psycho, du- you know? Dun- dun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's right there. Yeah. You know, you just, or even the Inyo Morricone stuff, like in a lot of that stuff.
0: Yeah, know. but even like Christopher Young, who did the first two Hellraisers and and Drag Me to Hell, all these great stories, he said, you think, he's like, the one thing I never did was create. I was that, I could never create like that simple, memorable theme. Yeah. The kick, kick. Yeah. Ma- yeah. Ma- ma. You know, and that's like Carpenter's kind of genius is this idea of you know this five four is kind of a weird for popular music especially back then i mean you had had dave rubeck's take five in like a five four chord progression and like a, a, a timing not not chord progression but like a timing signature Mike Oldfield, we just talked about with tubular bells but it was kind of out of place and so it kind of stuck out a little bit but i love the other music that's yeah. like that's for me like that's Halloween's bread and butter, music-wise, is that other stuff. NBC's Movie of the Week returns following these messages. I'm Eddie Murphy. I'm Donald Leslie. We have
2: nothing in common whatsoever, except that we'll be spending Halloween together on Saturday Night Live. Join us if you dare. Cool it, man.
0: Dion, I want to tell you about something really exciting. Uh, I can't wait to hear it. TiVo, as a TV lover and also as a movie fan, I want to tell everybody about the TiVo Bolt. Yes, Now, TiVo was the innovator of the DVR back in the day. they're pioneers. (laughs) And they're continuing to innovate. And what I love about them most at this moment, because you and I talk about antenna television
1: all the time. We talk about antenna TV (laughs) all the time over the air. They have a new unit specific to antenna users. It's called the TiVo Bolt OTA, over the air for antennas. And also they have a TiVo Bolt Vox for cable. Now, what's awesome about
0: the OTA unit for the antenna users, because there's a lot of people that aren't using cable anymore. It gives you like that cable paid TV experience with your antenna television. Yeah. You get all your channels through your antenna, but also you can search for them right on the unit. You can record them with the DVR, and it puts it all in one unit with your streaming channel. So you can get your Netflix, your Hulu, your Amazon Prime, all in one place. You just
1: got one recently. How was the setup? Oh, it's amazing. It's clear, easy. Put put it right in. It's ready to go. And it has great features, too. It has a skip mode. You can skip commercials like the traditional TiVo, which is great because they know the TV shows commercial breaks. <laughs> it has a quick mode where you can watch shows 30% faster with pitch control. It has revolutionized the bedroom living now because everything is in one slot remote, and it's just like flipping a channel between live TV and Netflix and Amazon. It's all there in the palm of your hand, and it has a remote control finder, which I love.
0: Now, to you, the Saturday Night Movie Sleepover listeners, you too can own a TiVo, Bolt OTA or Bolt Vox, and you can save money in doing so.
1: Yeah, we've teamed with TiVo to put together this really great offer for our listeners. For 20% off, just go to tivo.com slash sat 20 S-A-T-20, and enter the promo code SAT20 at checkout. That's TiVo.com slash SAT20, and enter the promo code SAT20 for 20% off at checkout.
0: Halloween continues starring Donald Pleasence and Jamie Lee Curtis.
1: Before this, you have Black Christmas, you have Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's elements of both those that are so... Groundbreaking! There, we I, did an episode on Black Christmas, which we like if there, a lot. If there was yeah, I, Bob Clark's Black Christmas, one of my one of my favorite holiday movies. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 put, I think I put it on like three
2: times because uh, you watched that Christmas Story. I, yeah, well, it it does has like a certain warmth to the film stock and everything, and yeah. the way it's yeah. lit with the Christmas lights. It just, I love. It, it just feels
1: like Christmas. Yeah, you know? but it sets these these ground where you know we see here where it's like the first person the uh insane killer i mean just a lot of that stuff there's that a lot of stuff that's a that, proto halloween that yeah. originates
0: in black christmas that then becomes horror, slasher movie and
1: is i mean there, i heard a story where carpenter asked bob clark if he could do a sequel or a, you know and then, then he he gave him the rights to maybe but that didn't materialize and maybe that's where he was the interest when he got to this because he's like mike said he's kind of a hired gun here yeah where the producers come on already kind of have the idea of the babysitter murder story. I think kind of
0: what's brilliant, and this isn't necessarily even a Carpenter thing, this might have come out of Oren Neal desire to make... The producer. Yeah, a a movie about a killer, babysitter killer killings, you know, and then coming up with the idea of setting it on Halloween because no other movie had ever been set on Halloween. The word Halloween had never been used in a movie title. Oddly enough, yeah. Right. You You look at the previous... like, iconic... Horror movies. You know, if we go back to you know, if modern art, horror movies, we talk about. I don't know. You pose a question in some podcast about horror. And I say that to me, like Psycho is the yeah. it's the, like the granddaddy of like the modern horror film. It takes that out of the gothic realm. Sets yeah. it in like present day. But okay, so Psycho, we have like a roadside hotel kind of n- at this point because of the new roadway off the beaten path, yeah. put
2: together by uh, uh, Judge Doom.
1: Yeah, exactly. Cloverfield and yeah, the Cloverfield. <laughs> yeah, with the old yeah. you get the, uh, like system. Peeping
0: Tom, lesser known. Yep. But kind of like downtown gritty London. Yeah. You have. Uh, Night of the Living Dead, kind of like farmhouse out in like ru- rural Evans City, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh R- rural, R- rural R- area,
2: Exorcist, yeah, Pennsylvania, like right in Washington D.C., or yeah, even kind
1: of K- Texas Chainsaw Massacre tex- You're in the back in the backwoods <laughs> of Texas. You yeah, know, and, and all and these you things. Know, you even you could
0: Deliverance
1: if you even yeah, wanted to you go get off the highway, road. you get lost. You know, yeah. th- nothing but trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> Black Christmas. Maybe a little bit more so in Canada. Going more this way, but it's also like sorority row, also like a weird thing. What Halloween does is it takes, possibly, really for the first time, put sets it in like suburban America, which is where like the majority of us listeners, everybody, you know, like I would say the vast majority of people. Our age grew up, grew s- up out there. You grew up, in, in, yeah. they might Post still World be there too. That's it's what sub- you, do, yeah. you know, it's yeah. in the suburban where environment. where you can get a
1: bike and you can drive around on your bike, and you're in you know your main mode of transportation. Yeah, so it sets
0: it like almost, almost literally, kind of in our
1: backyard. Yeah, you know, which I think is one
0: of the reasons why this movie made such an impact on us. Two, you know, I always talk about to me the most realistic depiction of an actual nightmare that I have is. Texas Chainsaw Massacre this way of like the over the hyper realistic like when they have her tied and they're mocking her just crying like oh like <laughs> yeah, it seems and around
1: like the, 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 to me th- like the the
0: the, this, the the scary things in in nightmares are Often, like, hyper realistic, more stylized version, but in terms of like energy, not in terms of like eyeballs and you know, like, weird surreal uh, imagery. But the idea of like in Texas or Massacre, no matter how hard she tries to run away, she always ends back up in like the spider's yeah. you know, web. That nightmare yeah. logic. This, like, and then
1: they don't, then how, they don't, you've said this in our conversations, but they don't fully explain. The you know the slaughterhouse is automating down the road yeah. where they've had their life. But aside from that, you don't get anything.
0: so Masker to me, it's like the only, the only like real reasoning you can put on that family is that like. Human flesh tastes better, I guess.
1: And they, they've, and <laughs> you know they've been mean? able to, so many it years, get like their chicken. they're they're able to get their killing proclivities out by doing it to f- like livestock. And now that the things are aut- automating, they're kind of like falling off of, and they don't. Know, Maybe
0: they're just also not getting free meat from yeah, work. And, and it's
1: just I mean? and it's like almost the industry. You know, it's like it's a whole comment on like the '70s industry. So this know.
0: idea of like the end of Halloween when she leaves Annie's house she's yeah. like somebody help somebody help me yeah. and she goes to the neighbor's house and they turn the lights and on and they, 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 turn the turn they turn the lights yeah. on but here's it, a question it's a, <laughs> it's a crazy nightmare it's like this place where like we're in an area that we all feel safe which is right. our neighborhood you know where we grew a up safe where neighborhood. where we ride our bikes we're safe it's the thing that I love about Halloween too which clearly Mike's not a fan <laughs> of but like the idea of like that you're in a hospital some place that's supposed to be yeah Helpful, someplace you're supposed to feel safe, someplace where it's all its only purpose is to help you, is now like this maze of doom that you, <laughs> there's a there's a hospitals stru- are but gen, so,
2: genu- generally kind of creepy at the same yeah, time, and I don't understand why they don't have bars in hospitals because you're either celebrating or you're uh, they have a church prying. you can yeah. pray why
0: don't you have a bar but drink? now she's in suburbia someplace there are no adults around yeah she's what? I want to know where all the And it's also like they're all so movies. it's also so suburban in a way. It's you, so
1: realistic did, that like it, your neighbors would
0: fucking turn their lights yeah on. there's a
1: there's a story in new york in the 60s i, f- I think it's in queens or one of the outer boroughs where a, a girl who was raped and murdered and the whole thing was that she was screaming for help oh yeah and there's a i forget I fr- it's a very famous case and now people yeah. are saying that that it didn't happen the way that it's always been classically remembered in urban lore but it was at all nobody came to her aid nobody called the police yeah and it's it's in the 70s you have the idea of we've talked about in the summertime, the thrill killers. Yeah. That was scary. People getting worried about. We had, you know, Jonestown in the 70s, but you had like the Manson family. This idea, like, that you saw in the torture porn of the early odds, which is, I, it's very unsettling for me, the idea of these movies like, um, like, funny games. These movies where people are just going to knock on your door, come in, and they're going to freaking yeah. kill you. There's no rhyme or reason to it. At the end of the movie, there's no comeuppance. They're going to just go to the next house. Like, at least seen a lot of those early Rob Zombie movies. Yeah. And I think in the 70s, people were scared of that. Or worried that that's, that's going to happen. You, the onset of thrill killers, which turned into serial killers. I, you know?
2: I, and I don't know how much Carpenter was thinking about this when he wrote it. But, I mean, you're talking with the 70s, um, you, know,
1: you get the, the issue of white flight. You know? Yeah, yeah. And have you guys ever seen Over the Edge? Yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah great movie great at the movie. end where they they lot we've gotten requests from my friend Martin Who's a, I grew up with? He, that's, he's always asking for us to do that movie because at the end they they trap the the. the, the I that parents was a movie I would see growing up in the in on A and E. Yeah. Where they trap the parents, they go to a PTA movie because the kids are too crazy. Yeah, yeah. And the kids then, you know, lock them in the auditorium of the school.
2: But I mean, that movie was about uh you know that suburban like California right words, like it, I think it was out in Utah that it was like yeah. you know everybody was escaping the cities to get away from crime and you know like a little bit of that is in Halloween like they it's. It's in the suburbs, like yeah. it's in the suburbs of Illinois. It's in a downstate Illinois town, and this is supposed to be a safe place. And now there's this force of nature, and like you said, no rhyme or reason to Michael Myers. Yeah, and yeah. that's what I love about uh, this new one, kind of eliminating the brother sister mythology, which was just you know, which is Post the, Empire Strikes Back <clears throat> is just a just yeah. the only thing. Well, oh, the only like mere speculation
1: here one. when the movie starts is you could deduce. That she went up to the house to put the key in for the, for the father, who's the realtor, to show the house. And since Michael's in the house, yeah, he sees her, gravitates towards her, maybe starts thinking about his sister, or whatever. And then he that's why he latches onto her. And then yeah. so she kind of br- innocently, vicariously, it's her parents' fault, brings it on herself, this horror, because he could have very easily the, just went and did this something also, else.
0: The, I, don't, I don't want to interrupt wherever you're
2: No, I mean, I was, just saying, I was just saying, like, there's a lot of that. I think there's that suburban, like, that safety and now you're not safe
1: anymore. We should have researched the story that ends up being in Charles Durning's... Um We'll uh, tra- Going to do a Charles Durning impression. What's course. the name of that movie? Uh, hey, when hey, a stra- <laughs> when hey, a girl. Calls. <laughs> hey, there's Doc Hopper here. Oh, yeah, when a stranger calls. What's remember the urban legend? Oh, yeah,
2: the calls are coming from inside. Yeah, the house. you know, ho- which
1: Black Christmas is. Black Christmas is, yeah. is kind of the origin. You know, of it's that. it's the same thing to me. It's like, you know, the, the, the people out in Lovers Lane necking and the guy with the hook and the woman's like, let's get out of here. And then they leave and then the hook's on the side of the car. You know, like it's yeah, like yeah. these urban stories you hear. I wonder if what the. The origins of the urban legend of the, of the, you know, the. So my point is that, like, it, in in suburbia, it's like you know, it, it's the fear of some, you know, something knocking on your door, and this, you know, uh you know, it's funny because in the fifties, there were the home invasion movies are big, Desperate Hours, and the, all these movies were uh suddenly with Frank Sinatra where the people come into your house, come into your house because Which they're escape convicts. Which is the kind convicts. of movie
0: you're talking about in the early nineties? Yeah, yeah, you know, like early odds.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. With these home invasion movies, but then, but but the perversion of
0: dogs in the seventies. Yeah, it's rape and
1: the the perversion in the early odds is that they're not there to hide out and you know they're there to like fuck with you, you know, freaking mutilate you or your family and then leave to the next house.
2: But the thing that I always did wonder about Halloween was like. What kind of parents left all their kids with babysitters on Halloween yeah, night?
0: They didn't even take them trick or treating. <laughs> yeah, like, they
2: don't even care. <laughs> I mean, well, that ch- ch- why, where ch- was <laughs> his swingers party that they were all at? <laughs> exactly, like, where were the were Myers parents coming home ki- from. Ki- yeah. Yeah.
1: well, for for people who were smarter than us to, to go with your white flight theory, there they talk, that that's an theme of Elmett where the parents aren't around and it's 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 part of them. It's it, it, it's part of their fault this happens because there's no parents around to, but I to watch also over feel the like
0: it's part of the nightmarish element of it yeah, know, that nobody it's kind can of help like you the existence of or the not the existence but like the absence yeah of authority yeah really now you so you guys are talking about this idea of like we don't know why Michael Myers does this
1: and that is like essentially what's scary about it well now, this can bring in some of the novelization which you said you read there's you ended up, <laughs> Blake did we even mention already Blake read the novelization for this which ends up having there's, a lot of info a, there's
2: a novelization of Halloween how about yeah. that uh,
1: There's a novelization of one through four I think
0: I had uh, by I had uh, Curtis two Richards two
1: uh and he was under the pseudonym Richard Curtis uh <laughs> But yeah, broken. there's some
0: stuff I definitely want to talk about The novelization But if we're going with Strictly like the movie Like what, yeah. we're, what's, what's on the page Of the movie What's, on the f- what's in frame
1: Yeah um,
2: Carpenter described him As a force of nature And I like that I think that. that's
0: really Important The shape And yeah. I think it's interesting I don't think anybody It always
2: confused th- me as a kid Like the credit for the shape And it'd be a credit so, For Michael yeah. Myers as well
0: And <laughs> he talks about Westworld Being a little bit Of an influence Ewell like, Brenner's character The Man in Black uh, figure yeah, Which, which I is kind love. of a
2: proto slasher
0: vibe, to, to yeah. Oh, which to is also pro, where T eight
1: hundred comes from for yeah. Terminator. You know, the idea of that this thing ain't gonna stop. Yeah, you know, no matter what, it's gonna follow you through whatever world. I to think get this
0: happens when it turns from being any any night to being Halloween night. You know, I think Carpenter takes the kind of the liberty to say, okay, we're gonna set it on Halloween. It kind of lends itself to some kind of supernatural element.
1: No, it's the idea of getting back to the Celtic Sam Hayden. Yes. Yeah, that, that's you know, that's the, a huge thing in the of book. The, of the night, you know, because I remember that. That's us growing up. I don't know if they still say it that way, but it's like Halloween's the one night where the ghosts, the living, yeah. the dead can come, and that's why you're I've wearing the masks. That, yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know if they still do that with Sam Hayden. Sam Hayden is a big thing in the book. Yeah.
0: In the novelization. And obviously a big thing in the Was the novelization
1: book. written post Halloween 2? Probably. No, um, the novelization came out. This novelization came out when the movie came out, didn't it? I don't know. Okay.
0: Maybe I thought they came
1: out in course corresponding, you know, they would have They could have
0: because I know, like, the soundtrack did get released to,
1: like, the 80s. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, it didn't... The soundtrack didn't get released initially.
1: Yeah, it came out published by Bantam Books in 79, so a year later. Yeah, okay. And then reissued in 82. Probably lo- off the, you know, popularity of Halloween. Two yeah. But I, I'll definitely get to the book because
0: there's stuff that's worth mentioning just because yeah. it's so quirky. Um I think the thing that never gets brought up carpenter never mentions it and i think it you can't deny it at least for me is that jaws had come out yeah and this idea of like this emotionless force of nature like
1: westworld like killing just
0: because it's its nature yeah the fact at that least you m- can stay out of the water the feast <laughs> the fact that loomis the way loomis describes him is not that dissimilar to the way Quint describes the, the shark. shark. Both
2: they both talk about the eyes. Why well, yeah. I,
1: I end up going into the wrong thing. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I saw him and he had black eyes like a doll. I so like,
0: I, to
2: me, yeah. I, I, sometimes I forget which speech I'm trying exactly, to give.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know. So to me, like there is.
1: He says he's a land there, shark.
0: There's a There's a Jaws element. You could argue that, like, but it's Jaws's. He eats because it's you know he's an animal and that he he's eating. Yeah. But the thing about Jaws and I, this comes up in some movie that we just. Well, Michael Myers did. kills the dog because he got hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I point out we start, yeah. start talking about horror and how like if you look at uh, was it Noel Carroll's book like uh, the
1: what's well, uh, his face and about I though. talk about like
0: horror and yeah. how like there has to be a monster and there has to be some kind of super natural element is like this theory, theory of, of
1: playwright yeah yeah and
0: uh the uh Jaws is a shark but yeah. in Jaws he's supernatural like he he's too he's not your typical shark he's,
1: he's gone onto the boat with the two <laughs> with the two barrels yeah, like, he's know. pretty smart he yeah. can't he's you know, really smart, he's, he's, smart. smart.
0: You he's you know he's seeking them out he's stalking them and then it he takes becomes, more barrels f- to keep him afloat than any other and shark in the, he's series, in the
1: franchise, that becomes like he's he's getting trying to get revenge. He follows him down by, to the <laughs> islands by, by the
2: novelization of you four.
1: Know? It's a voodoo
2: curse that was placed on the, uh, the sure. Brody family. Is that on
1: the level? <laughs> oh yeah. Look, see who would have known.
0: You know, th- that's amazing. So it's, it's like yeah, and then, it's wild. And it,
1: so Myers,
0: to me, very much, he, like you say, Carpenter describes it as his fortunate nature. It yeah. is like that's his nature. I think when you get into mod- the modern era, including the late 70s, the idea of evil is antiquated. Yeah. It's like a lost concept. You know, people didn't kill. People don't kill now. People don't shoot up a school. They don't. A serial killer doesn't kill because they're evil. There's they a killed, reason behind it. There's a kill, they kill because they're a product of their environment. They're deranged. A head injury. Whatever it is. Yeah. You know, my, Sam Loomis, Dr. Loomis, a psychologist, he's failed. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he has failed it in Michael Myers. He's failed Michael. He's failed. He not only can't cure Michael Myers. Spent four years trying to get to him. He doesn't understand
1: why he's like this. And
0: he spent three and a half trying he's, to get back. He's... <laughs> Pure and simply.
1: Anyway, we delivered the bomb. The Hiroshima bomb.
0: He's pure and simply evil. Yeah, and I think that's like you know, w- you might get somebody that says like that doesn't like the idea that they want to know why. Why is he like this? Why is he like this? he's evil? And there's no reason for evil.
1: Yeah. You know, like, evil's evil because it's evil. Evil yeah. just exists. Yeah, I like that. You know, that, like, yeah. somebody's, these, you know... These guys who, 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 as children, start killing animals because they like doing it, and then they progress to, like, you know, killing but people. But there's,
0: like, now... By then, it's, like, an antiquated thing. So the fact that you have a guy, a man of science...
1: The, you know, a, a doctor...
2: Who's
0: who, packing. Who, <laughs> who's saying, like, he's he's not giving this reason. He's yeah. not saying, like, oh, you know, like a chemical imbalance or he's got too much testosterone (laughs) or or he was beaten yeah or he or anything they
2: did in rob zombies remake it's
0: just that his example is that he's evil and that's the only reason yeah and it's and
2: It's it's absolutely terrifying too because when when you can find reason behind something like you can understand it you can have empathy or sympathy and you can get that you can't have that with evil
1: no. And even, even that's, that's why you bring up repeatedly why The Exorcist is so scary. Yeah. People who aren't religious. I'm not religious, and that movie terrifies yeah, me. Yeah, I'm religious, and it's terrifying just because no matter at the end of the day, it's like it's one of those almost people who are agnostic. It's like maybe that could still happen. Maybe a demon could be conjured yeah. up, and, you know, it's like well, so. That's don't to think, get off
2: on it. But One thing I love about The Exorcist is that the, one of the most terrifying moments is when Chris McNeil, you know, you know, Hollywood type, you know, doesn't believe in religion, has to come to terms with... Well this is the only option. I gotta call up a fucking exorcist, man. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. And it's just that it's just Captain Howdy is just evil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <it's> just evil. <laughs> you know, it just exists. And that the fact that and it plays into something that I think we talked to you and I Mike and I talked about in Fright Night, This idea of that like the adults can't see what's happening. Yeah. You know, in a way like Tommy is the most insightful character of the whole movie because he's the one that sees Michael he's, Myers, him. and he's like, that's the boogeyman. And and even though Jamie Lee Curtis, even though Laurie Strode sees her everywhere, sees him most. Yeah, she's
1: not putting she's it together. She's too close
0: to being an adult.
1: Yeah. To understand that, like, she doesn't see it until it's too late. Yeah. You know, almost. And it's the, the, there's a frightening aspect which I always loved with the, the Friday the Thirteenth series, Jason Voorhees, where you see. It, first here where it's like no matter how fast you run in the woods from Jason he's going to get you and he's calm he's paced he's not he's keeping he's got his Fitbit on he knows how fast he's going <laughs> and you have Michael Myers and it goes back to maybe not so much Jaws but like you said like Westworld where it's like the robot yeah you know he once he gets you you can no matter how far away you run to whatever For it's some, like Mike Myers he's going to come get there's you. there's also
0: you. something supernatural about it like she's yeah. running
1: away from him but she's runs into the house and he's there already yeah
0: you know there's something like there is more going and on and it's funny because it is it
1: that when, when you the slasher when they open the door in the eighties of the slasher film, it's certainly one of the elements they exploit. In this aside from the other themes that we have here with the kids having sex yeah. and she's not, that's another thing. Is like no matter where you turn, they're gonna you know. Jason takes Manhattan. You know, they, you look this way, he's in that doorway. You look the other way, he's he in could, that doorway. I you know? think you can teleport by that <laughs> And, <point> and <laughs> all <laughs> you see him is just like he's like, <sighs> you know, because he's he's it's it's you know it's, it's quick for him. He's out of breath. And I think Nick
2: Castle's so good as the shape. And I think John Carpenter once described him as. Castle was a musician that he had like a, a certain rock star like way of walking yeah, that yeah. he brought to, to Michael Well,
0: he also like his dad uh was a choreographer that choreographed like Fred Astaire movies. Yeah. You know, he grew up in a, in a family of dancers, you know, and and that doesn't necessarily mean that like, I just feel like you become maybe more aware of your movement in yeah. a certain way. And you probably carry yourself maybe with a little, well, it's, a, with a little better, uh, uh, posture, you know, when you're surrounded by he people c- where movement's so important. He
1: certainly has a style about him, how he looks and how he acts. And, um, you know, if you talk about what Carpenter says about he didn't really give him any direction, just get, he's like, what do you want me to do? Just walk from point A to point yeah, B. Yeah, walk from that mark to that mark. And then the one direction he gives him, which is for me as a kid, was one of the most uh, frightening things of the movie is when he stabs the, the boyfriend up. And then you, you get that look of like, it's an animal. Like you get a dog does that, you know, yeah. just trying to Curiosity. understand, like look what, you know, I've, you yeah, know, he's like, it's like, look what I've done. <laughs> yeah, that kind of a thing. You know, right. what is this? And if I'm watching it now, it goes Good just job, the scene goes on a lot longer than I remember it going, where he's like, you know, looking. I only remember just looking at the side once, and that was it. But, yeah. you know, he does a couple of looks. But that's very frightening and telling there. And, and, you know, I never understood why he got the, the headstone
2: and put it above uh, PJ Souls in bed. Well, like I think he stole he's, it's almost like he's
1: reenacting oh. his sister's murder. Yeah. And he's grabbing, you know. It's yeah. it's a, an effectively creepy scene. Oh, when well, people like, talk. There's th- all this interpretation of themes where it's like, you know, since his sister wasn't watching him the night he was killed, she was having sex, a colluding, colluding along with the boyfriend that, and he goes, "What and, a pig he was, huh?" Yeah, he's like, yeah, "I'll see you later, bitch." You know, <laughs> well, that he's never even done yet. He's like, "Just yeah. make sure you wash that off." <laughs> um, it's like, so he, that's he. Then they get back at her. His retribution is the her to death or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, there's the phallic symbol with the knife and all that. And then now later on, it's, he's doing that the same thing to these babysitters who aren't really watching the kids. But it seems like it's almost like he is, like Loomis is saying, he's, he's in reacting, reenacting the original night. And part of that is like, you know, he's, know, he's taking the freaking headstone you know, and <laughs> all, you know, it's like, you know,
0: yeah, well, it's I an element of it's something that he I can't don't...
1: dig his daughter, do- his sister up.
0: One thing yeah. I don't think you know you, you think about, especially the first time you watch it, but when Loomis describes him for the first time, he says, I met this six-year-old child with a blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes. Yeah. That's the mask.
1: Like a doll's
0: eyes. He's describing it as a six-year-old kid, but he's describing the mask. Yeah, huh. he's describing a pale get the fuck <laughs> out of here. <laughs> Emotion with a dark, and because of the mask, it looks like the guy from Stark. <laughs> <laughs> and because of the mask, for the most most of the time, you only see these black holes where the eyes should be. So, in a sense, you also get this idea of this saying of like the the eyes are the are the are the windows to the soul. Myers, for all intents and purposes, as a viewer, he has no eyes. Yeah. So, in essence, like he is also soulless. Like he doesn't have a soul.
1: Yeah.
2: And when they finally do remove the mask, just to find out that he's just
0: a human being, his eye has been stabbed out. I don't know. (laughs) Now you got to be thinking about that. Yeah. And it's also interesting that, like, Loomis shows up as that moment's happening. And, like, Loomis won't kill him, he won't shoot until the mask is back on. Yeah. It's almost like the mask is what makes him the sh- it's what makes him the shape, shape not Michael you know, he's, not, yeah, and that, he's yeah. not human and that was something yeah.
1: on. I, I was even as a child seeing the climax of that movie uh, understood very well or I took in and noticed the point where as soon as she takes his mask off he stops what he's doing and he has to try to put the mask back on yeah. before well, he he's need, able to you know he, well, he needs it's like to he's out of character he like, needs oh. to
0: put the mask on to kill his sister yeah you know, and and he, yeah, like he almost like he needs to have that his uh, armor in some way. Because yeah, you almost that.
2: see him look at her with a little bit of remorse when he takes the mask off. Because you kind of see her look, see yeah, him look down at her. Like I don't know if it's remorse or well, it's
1: something. like he's frazzled. That's the first time yeah. he gets frazzled, and he's like, "I need to have it back on." And I'm sure yeah. if we had, if we all had psych degrees, we could talk <laughs> about the, you know, the the way of trying to like you know people. Tom Savini talks about when he went to Nam, he was a photographer, standing behind the camera. Yeah, yeah, to be able to to take himself away from the carnage he was seeing, he would try to use the camera as looking through the lens. Okay, this is not so real. And the separator. Yeah, she better.
2: pulls his mask off, and he just stands there. Yeah, he like stops a second. Yeah, and doesn't know.
1: He could just no take her out right there. He needs right to, right of, he he needs to there, put it back but on. He puts and, it back yeah, on, things. and then like. Blake just said before he kills his sister at the beginning he has to put a mask on to start the act and I'm sure there's a lot of people who are psychology majors who can you know uh, expound on that that it's because they need to you know it's it's almost like the voyeurism of you know you you know, people who go to these swinger parties or these—you know—where you have to wear a mask, you're suddenly a different person. You yeah. feel like you know the you're you're able to you're you can let loose your inhibitions when you
2: turn your hat. It's yeah, like it's a like switch. a turn of the hat. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. You
0: know what I mean? I think the voyeur the voyeuristic epi- uh, part of this is very important for Halloween. You know, yeah. I think why it's so suspenseful and so creepy in a way is because if you pl- plot it out, the amount of killing versus like just the amount of watching. Yeah is like he's he watches wa- a lot more. He, he's than watching could. the whole movie, you know. Yeah, yeah, he only only kills like two people. And he knows where they are. <laughs> he's, 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 the, he's right two on time. And a dog. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in, the, he's in like,
1: the in the present day of the movie. He's yeah. like Max Cady <laughs> in Cape Fear. He knows where he's got his his watches going off. He's like, <laughs> I gotta get I'm waiting for another point. But it adds this element
0: of suspense. Yeah. I mean, if anything, Halloween is like this perfect exercise of suspense.
1: Even to the you know, I'm always a fan of situations in movies where you the audience is able to see something that the that the, the character may not realize, like you have in here, where you have them driving, and all of a sudden he comes around the corner in the Ford LTD, and then he's back on them again. They have "Don't Fear the Reaper" on on yeah. the radio, and the tr- they're, they're smoking the blunt or whatever it is, the joint, and it's like they don't realize he's behind them again, but he's yeah. he's back or up on the trail. When Loomis gets you know? to
0: the hardware store, and we see yeah, the and, car. L- and,
1: oh, and Loomis yeah. just misses that, him. Yeah, he's looking around. around. That was one of
2: those <laughs> shots that I really didn't appreciate until I got the laser disc and was able to see it. It's a whole different for movie. For the first time. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: I mean, I can't imagine. It's some of these movies, like, uh, when you guessed on us a couple months ago, we did the Blues Brothers. It's like, can you imagine me seeing Dirty Harry for the first time in wide-screen? It's like, they're completely different movies, because they're They're oh, in yeah. different scope. Yeah, they're different. The, the, even the staging is so different. Which the is why compositions.
2: I, I kind of understand the uh, the the nostalgia people have for VHS boxes. Yeah. But for the actual format? No, it's terrible. Like, it's it's none of those terrible. movies are in the correct aspect yeah, yeah. ratio, guys. Yeah.
0: You know, going back to what you guys were talking about with characters, I, you know, in terms of, like, the sh- the strength of the characters, totally agree. You know, Dion knows, Mike knows as a listener and as someone that I talk to, uh, you know, regularly. Yeah. You know, I, Michael often posts or, or send me something that's like, you you probably like this, and it's like a teen show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is, like, one of those... I, I often say sometimes I watch horror movies, and it's the ones that maybe aren't as good as this. Like, I often cite... Uh, neon Maniacs Whereas like When I watch Neon Maniacs like, I'm watching Like I really don't want The Neon Maniacs To show up <laughs> yeah. Like I'm so invested In like teen melodrama, the drama. The mel- the yeah. melodrama You know Coming of age You know That's what this movie is yeah. and and it, and it still is A coming of age story Like Jamie Lee Curtis By the time we start You know Before school On the 31st to the time, you know, Myers and them, she's come of age. It's been yeah, a pretty it's horrific It's been a rough day. You <laughs>
1: yeah. thought you had a bad day. She's huh? coming to her own. Yeah. It's been, and then we go to two, forget about it. Yeah, same night. <laughs> but like, jeez, <Yeah>, <laughs> can't you thought, win. You thought
2: you were exhausted. Yeah. Right? But I
0: love. The idea, like I love, I could live, and it's part of the nostalgia thing. It's part of why this show exists. It's like, I love, I, like, I feel like I missed my teens because I didn't appreciate it. Yeah, I hated being in high school. I hated everybody yeah. that I went to high school with. Yeah. <laughs> like I couldn't wait to get out of Clifton Park, fucking New York. Yeah, You know, now it's like, I just wish I could go back. You know, like that's part of like my love for like, Twenty One Jump Street or Say by the Bells. Like I wish future. I went to the. I wish I went to Bayside High. Yeah, like those Hanging are not the max. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I mean, those uh, are my memories.
2: I I would love to take Annie.
0: I was gonna say, <laughs> out of out of day, just, take her, just take her. I out was of gonna. Day. I oh, I Annie. thought you meant like no. have your way with her. Well,
2: uh, <laughs> I was gonna. Well, pose I would do it in a completely gentlemanly was, fashion was, after. Uh, after we took it. Well, after I took her out for burgers, or I was gonna
0: pose this question because I can almost predict that the odds of Linda kind of guy. Totally, PJ Souls. Whereas, yeah, like, yeah. I have the biggest crush. One of my biggest movie crushes of all time is Annie. Oh, yeah,
1: and she looks great. I was going to ask precinct I, thirteen as well. I was going to yeah. ask
0: it. She was married to Tommy Lee Wallace at the time, who went on to direct Halloween three and the mini series It for television. But he was one of the editors and like the and pr- the production design. He's the guy that raked the leaves for this. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey,
2: Annie, Annie's Annie's the girl. She's she's bad. she's the
0: most bitchy. But at the She's same funny. T- But at the same time I just I I Well I, she we all had Hey
2: jerk people, speed kills. You know, we all knew <laughs> people favorite line in that movie, I think.
1: We all knew people like that. Like when girls that age who were like, you know, they were the, they were the outgoing ones. I mean, I don't know if you, you you wouldn't call them the most slutty or anything, but they were the most they were the fun, you know they reckless. Were fun. That's yeah, yeah to hang exactly. You know, kind of you that know, know you liked them. they had no inhibitions. Maybe you know, I like first Annie. Ones. Like I just want to hang out with Annie. You know,
0: you I've know. often when we did a Romero podcast in commemoration for when Romero passed away, we did a special podcast, Deanna and I, where we just talked about our love for Romero, and I talked about like and when we ever when by the time we get a. Whenever we do get around to Assault and Precinct 13, which is one of Dion's favorite John Carpenter movies. Dun, 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 What a great theme that is. I point out John Carpenter talks about, you know, it's, uh, it's Rio, Rio, Bravo. Rio Bravo, Rio Bravo, Rio Bravo. I say, I call horseshit on that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. it's to El-Varato. me, it's
0: a remake of Night of the Living Dead. Mm. And so... Mm. in. <laughs> <laughs> to to the extent of we have a Barbara character. Yeah. He witnesses his daughter yeah. get shot and then he's like the whole movie he's useless. <laughs> he's useless. Yeah. He's yeah. like yeah.
1: what's her face? <laughs> Stuff out of uh, it. Kim Richards is she is that it's uh yeah, Kim Richards in that because her what is it? Her brother is Kyle or her sister's Kyle, her sister's Kyle Richards who's in this movie Halloween. And we have a uh, uh, an African-American hero
0: and protecting a group of white people in in,
1: a, in Assault on Precinct 13, yeah.
0: But uh not opening of the movie, obviously, but trip to with Loomis and the nurse driving up to Smith's Grove. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we pull up and we see. Oh, them, that's one like, of the scariest so scenes when, in so history. So when do <laughs> they start letting them walk around in the rain and and you can, in the middle of the night? <laughs> you can barely <laughs> see so them. The it's so living dead. Yeah, it's yeah. that it's, shot. Yeah,
1: and, and you can barely see them because of the. the, the they're even only in a the foot remaster, away from the You just highway, see like their the, hospital gowns. Even because the remastered versions, like. It's only the headlights. Right before, it's right where the headlights dip out. You know, they're barely. You you only
2: can see just a little bit. Like you never get a good look at any of them.
1: Yeah, but I wonder if like. Night of the Living... It's so Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> Even there's shots in Night of the Living Dead where you see people that look like they're in hospital. Yeah. There's an old guy. He's the one who's, like, eating shit yeah. off, the, off the trees. <laughs> you have a lot of that. But that whole scene there, the, the build up of, of Loomis's character talking to her and what we're going to do, and he's like, you know, and then when you get to that part... Nurses
2: need to start wearing those little capes again. Yeah, and the That's hat. That's a thing that I'm mean? into. Yeah. And then,
1: you know, he he gets away. He, he's able to take the car and, and, and fuck off, and he's heading 70 miles, whatever. Uh, but another thing with... It's like what they they were trying to get uh, Peter Cushing. but Peter Cushing
0: had just done Star Wars, so he was too big. He was too point.
1: big, and then they Christopher Lee. And it, it, I don't even think Christopher Lee knew about it, but his his agent declined. Yeah, because Christopher Lee has.
2: It said I think on record that he regretted yeah, not he said it's the Halloween. biggest
1: regret of his career that he said no and then you I, had you know
2: what? I love Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing I don't think either one of them would have been as good as Donald Pleasance
1: Vincent Price way. would have been as good <laughs> Yeah, you know you need one of these but you need he one of these epic less, guys but I
2: think you needed somebody less because Donald Pleasance wasn't terribly well known at that point was yeah. he
1: no, Are I mean, he... you knew him as Blofeld. He's in The Great Escape. He's in a favorite of ours, Raw Meat, mm-hmm. uh, which is, oh, yeah. he has a cameo, Christopher Lee cameos that you've seen together. It has an alternate title, too. Yeah. I, I f- can't remember what it is. Uh, I forget what it is over there. Uh, Don't Torture Duckling. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not it. Tales of Witness Madness. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but Pleasance, it's, he's perfect. I guess, you know, also what's good about Pleasance is that he's not bringing... Pleasance into the role because he didn't have It's not like he's not bringing Vincent Price into he didn't the role, he's not persona, bringing Christopher really Lee not. into the yeah, role. You rather, know? what I to say, it would have he's been kind am- of a
2: cipher, like he could,
1: yeah, he, he, it, it's, and it's also, perfect for him in that because he's big enough to be that you need to have a guy, yeah, in that role, some yeah, to yeah, like it. you know, because that's why one of the good things I like about the Rob, Zonny, Rob, Rob Zombie remake is I like Malcolm McDowell. I thought he was, oh, that's yeah. a good, you know, good cast, yeah, it's an interesting part the per- character of loomis he's they got know, a lot to method, do yeah
0: and why he, why the girl stuff why the group of girls why that all works and feels so authentic is because they're outside of the movie in a way yeah, they they're, never they're, talk they're about what's going yeah. on you know they the, don't
2: know that the the mental patient escaped they like, have no
0: exposition yeah so all of that is on, the, is on the shoulders of Dr. Loomis, the yeah. exposition. I always joke, not even a joke, but I always say, you know, Loomis's main function in Halloween is Colonel Troutman's function in First Blood. <laughs> He's there to tell the audience how dangerous Michael Myers, Troutman's like you're gonna need a big fly body, but ba- you're gonna go yeah. there With without many men. You're gonna need one thing. What's that? Big fly body. Of body he's like the biggest promoter of Rambo. Yeah, <laughs> like we only know Rambo. He's Rambo's hype man. <laughs>
1: it's true. Yeah,
0: <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah, he, you know,
1: you talk about this man like he's a god. God, God would have mercy. <laughs> it's like
0: <you> know, <laughs> you know, he is. That's Loomis's
1: part. It's yeah, yeah. like
0: you, you know, like. The, the evil has come to your little town <laughs> Yeah, you know he's always
1: he's, how, how terrible is the sheriff that says to him like and if you're right God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> was like, oh my god, that's that's horrifying, you asshole. God damn you for letting him laugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, not my fault. It's fucking one, he's state.
0: riddled with guilt. He's being blamed for everything. He's like I I, I told you I'm the only one who my said buddy. he's like, if you had a chance to do this, why did you say something? Like, I did say my buddy <laughs> My
2: buddy Metal Dave, who has he has the thickest Chicago thicker Chicago accent than I do. He whenever we see each other he's like
0: I shot him six
3: times six <laughs> times
2: <laughs> Which is from two, but like it's a we just love. We but love. You know, un- we love unhinged Donald Pleasant I got the you ain't number one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's that's one of my favorites too. Oh, yeah. yeah. you ain't number one. Hey number one. He has that mental breakdown <laughs> uh, against Isaac Hayes. Uh, but that gets to the mythic proportions near the end of the movie where he gets stabbed. They fucking put a, uh, a, a coat hanger in his eye. He gets. Shot by, I think he's got like a 357 snub nose that he's shooting with. Those are pretty hard hard loads. He's taking on point blanks center a, mass. Taking a load. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> taking five or six loads center mass, and he's still. He, and then he falls it's a, a story loads. on the on his back, and he's you know very quickly he he is almost like a supernatural creature. Uh, what a terrific ending.
0: Huh? And I think uh, yeah, you know.
1: just that the body's
0: gone.
2: <laughs> and then, he, then that recognition, like fuck. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's when the when the new trailer came out for the new Halloween, like. It's good trailer It's fine But like The moment that got me Is just hearing The notes to the music yeah, you know, yeah
0: Like Yeah You know We could look at uh, Another reason why this Jamie Lee Curtis Is a big reason Why this movie works And and not just Jamie Lee Curtis's performance But also the character of Lori, Going back to some of the things We were talking about before I think what works best About this movie Is that Lori As a character Is a person first Yeah And then a victim second Yeah You know And uh, she's like every girl, you know. Like she wants to do good in school. She's a little bit shy. She isn't one of the cool kids, even though she kind of has connection with some of these more loose girls at school. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, if you go into like more of a thematic looking at th- you know themes, looking into the movie, we have this idea of like Lori wants a boyfriend. And it's even like the first time ben Tramer. All right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but even yeah. like, as she's walking away and we, s- first time we see like Myers and her in the frame together, he steps in a frame and she's singing like, you know, just the two of us. Yeah. She wants a boyfriend. What she gets is Michael Myers. Yeah. You know, if we go, when she's sitting in school, we get a very similar scene that comes couple, you know, few years later with nightmare on elm street yeah. where she's sitting in, in the school in, in yeah. and in she's daydreaming what we hear the teachers talking oh, about fate
1: i know that's what i was going to say that's interesting that, that no and, matter what that they're going to be pulled and together She here. says
0: like fates the, the concept is that fate's unescapable yeah you know it is she says it's like the rain it's like the wind it's it is like a force of nature yeah. fate's a force of nature and she she when this discussion is happening, is when she looks out the window and she sees Michael Myers. She's glimpsing her own fate. This is like it's meant to be, whatever this is. <laughs> yeah, and For she can or
1: worse. And she can't Probably escape. Probably worse. It. Yeah,
0: you know when you get into many of the criticisms of the Final Girl, yes. whether we talk about like the Carl J. Clover uh, concept in the book *Men, Women, and Chainsaws: Gender in the Modern Horror Film*, she, but she's the the writer that um, kind of created the concept of the term the final girl uh, you get which a, means which is like you have the character at the end who's like the foil of the killer and it's the one it's the girl that lasts to the very end like Sigourney and, Weaver, and, is, and, the, alien and or... is the only one that can kind of survive she's the the surviving person yeah. cuz there were critics that were saying things like at the time that you know characters like Laurie Strode pointing to the slasher genre of like you know, the reason why like it's misogynistic is that like they don't survive because of their resourcefulness or because of their education. Just or, lucky. They, they, they survive because of luck
1: or or Pleasance comes in and blows them away. them. They the have day. to be saved. Yeah.
0: But here's the thing: if you look at Lori Strode, <clears throat> she's resourceful as hell. Yeah.
1: She like, saves the kids' lives, and you yeah. can
0: say like, okay, she has uses to use the knitting needle. She has to be saved not by for its intended purpose. <laughs> <laughs> the hanger. She picks up the knife. She stabs them. You know. She is resourceful. Yes, you can say she only really survives because of Donald Pleasance. But had Michael Myers been a normal human,
1: she would have She would have
0: defeated him. him. Yeah. And Loomis didn't kill him. Yeah. No, I was about to say. And he's still
2: out there. He saves her, but not really. And I mean. she
0: only she only survived as long as to have plays that showed up because of her resourcefulness yeah yeah
1: the other girls died <laughs> and like, <laughs> she sent the kids out and the, the only reason that the kids were screaming alerted loomis to the to where he was Yeah,
2: loomis, did, loomis was wandering around the neighborhood
1: yeah, looking like, to like, kill people like yeah. in halloween too <laughs> so the novelization yeah, yeah. you want to hear a little
0: bit about this yeah. novelization? i've been teasing about opens with a prologue in like the dawn of the celtic Get the fuck Society. out of here. Yep. Is the
2: cult of Thorn mentioned <laughs> in the-
0: Sam Hain. Yep. It opens with this prologue where a disfigured boy named Enda has is in love with the, the king's daughter, Deirdre. And you're like, Am I reading the right book? <laughs> 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 they put the wrong cover on a book here. In a nutshell, he's convinced that, you know, she can't she doesn't have a suitor, blah blah blah. He can ha- he can he would be a good husband a good mate for her she's by the water he approaches her and she's like starts screaming bloody murder just because he's like kind of deformed and everything that night later that night whatever on on Halloween Hain harvest festival blah 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 he sees her and a guy dancing and have a good time he takes like a knife or something and he goes and he just he kills them and that's like the prologue to the in front of everybody yeah then first chapter opens Haddonfield, 1963,
1: which the, is in the movie where that it starts off with him killing. But them. it doesn't really start there;
0: mm-hmm. It starts before that. The book makes it makes a interesting concept, which is very Saturday Night Movie sleepovers, putting 1963 in the context, a month before the JFK assassination, <laughs> like painting yeah America yeah you know suburban America 1963 yeah. We get a scene with. Uh, the mother, Mrs. Myers, with Michael
1: at the grandmother's house. And to, to, to jump in, not to cut you off, but they always, in historians will point to JFK's assassination as kind of the eye-opening, the end of the idyllic 50s the, the end era. Of the innocence. Yeah, of, of America yeah, had before yeah. the turmoil that would unfold into the 60s. Yeah. So it's saying, like, that hasn't happened. Yet. Yeah. We're still, like, in this
0: idealized America. The Eisenhower
1: years of, yeah. like, fathers And I wonder best. if that
0: was ever, like, a thought as to
1: putting it when why,
0: that, why they created the timing
1: well maybe it was just age you know he's got to be if he's around yeah, yeah, you wonder than, how much of it was you know he didn't
0: need to be 21 though yeah he no, could have no, been, no, yeah. been well the
1: ages are wrong they say he's 21 but then if you look at, the thing, at age 23, 23 yeah, yeah. yeah so
0: but uh hano there
1: so then we get the scene where he's
0: trying on he's going to try on the little michael little michael's trying on the the, the clown costume for his grandmother um and so we get the we get some exposition in this scene, where it's like she he goes to go try on the thing, and the mother says he's been hearing voices. It is dreams. The grandmother points; she brings up Sam Hain and how like, you know, Halloween used to be different than it is now, and blah blah blah. You get your five and dime costumes, yada yada yada, and we get this hint of like, like your grandfather, voices, mm-hmm. voices. You say, so we get this like weird like there's something familial about this we have a you have more of a scene we have a whole scene leading up to the to the Judith Meyer with her boyfriend she's getting ready for the boyfriend the door rings she's like oh he's early she goes down to answer the door in like a robe she's not ready to go yet she's angry she opens up it's trick-or-treaters and she's like she recognizes the kids even though they're trick-or-treaters of course Michael's there also and she's she's like poking fun she says well what are you gonna do if I don't give you candy you know like what's the trick what are you gonna do and then there's silence and then one of the voices which we assume is Michael says I'm gonna kill you <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the boyfriend comes over sex the sex is much more graphic because
2: <laughs> I can get away with it I, I, it sounds like it might be a lot longer than the, in the movie too cause <laughs> <laughs> very quick uh, <laughs>
0: The killing, Michael's hearing voices and it's saying we see the dream and he's seeing like people it's 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 insinuating like some kind of curse or connection to Enda. <laughs> the Sam Hayden killing, like the dream we had
1: the pro the, the, the in the prologue. In yeah, the, the prologue.
0: prologue. He's hearing voices but now he's hearing them when he's not asleep. And it's the voices that are telling him to hate this, hate hate what's going on and that drive him
1: to murder. See, people would think this is an uh, advocate for medication. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we get like a trial and a sentencing. We get some time. After in, he kills. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Yeah. We get some time in Smith Grove with Loomis. And don't we have
1: him, t- Loomis, he speaks to Loomis? We have this little. We have dialogue with Loomis. We learn that. Different
2: than what uh, the stuff that was shot for television. Yeah. And yeah. Stuff that you see. Although there's, there's
1: supposedly scenes where Loomis is. Loomis is speaking with um, young uh, Michael Myers in the facility Michael Myers talks to him
0: there's stuff like the, the inmates and the people that work there are terrified of him because anybody that forms any kind of connection to him like there's an accident but nobody can ever catch him. Loomis is suspicious. But and don't
1: you get a little of that in like the Rob Zombie or what, which movies? Rob yeah, Zombie definitely uh, expounded What's the, upon
2: his, uh, his upbringing. In the facility,
1: or is that in the sequels? I'm getting my... Uh, I'm, you're getting the TV version and two kind of... Is it? Because don't we find out in some well, of the sequels s- that like, you know, yeah, he gets close to people but then he kills the people in the facilities? Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah. But okay. anyway, so we get, yeah. we
0: get some of that. We have like, you know, like he wants to have a Halloween party. My Michael asks, he's like, you of all people, you know, it's, but they said like it'd be good morale for all the other kids that are there. And then, of course, somebody dies, drowns in like the Apple thing. Jesus. The lights go out and that person dies. So you get a lot like a lot of that, a lot of that kind of stuff. We later learned through exposition uh, uh, between conversation with Loomis and Sheriff Brackett that his great grandfather had heard voices and that his great grandfather at a harvest festival in like 1890 had just got pulled out a gun and just shot a couple in the middle that were dancing. And then when they asked like drill barn burner, like it was like the, (laughs) The the, the idea was that like he knew them. Like it wasn't like he was just shooting into a crowd. He picked them. Yeah. But yet he called them by some weird names, Mm. not their names. They never say, but we assume Deirdre and whatever. So it it establishes like all this weird stuff and this idea of like the murders, you know, we, it, it, it kind of plays more into like the reason why he killed Judith was, you know, out of some kind of jealousy or his sister. Yeah. Yeah. Or like sexual thing.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, very odd. Like, the kind of the idea where, like, she's mine and, and uh, you know, she's yeah. giving herself away to the boyfriend or whatever. And it's whatever. weird
0: that they explain so much shit that really doesn't need to be explained, but that doesn't explain, like, why he puts the sheet on. Which is, yeah. like, the big, like... Oh, in the seems, scene. Seems yeah. out of, okay. seems yeah. very out of character. <laughs> With the boyfriend's <laughs> glasses.
1: Yeah. Is oh. clearly uh, an iconic film. But um, well, I For years, I didn't know... The simplicity of them getting the mask. I never knew that was Shatner growing up, and I never put one and one together. And they said, "For they said it's also funny they took this. They you know, they went to the company, uh, uh, and they asked them to do a pro bono mask, and they said no. So they they went and found some cheap masks. They found a old
2: Don Post uh, Shatner mask. Yeah, spray paint that was it They went and, to Don Post. Uh, Don Post
1: like we won't know, You know you have we can't. So they they went and found one of their masks anyway. They they tested a couple masks the Emmett Kelly mask which was a, uh, a clown but it looked too crazy and then they took this Shatner mask they took the eyebrows and the sideburns off and they said and Tough I guess sh- a wider. Shatner didn't even know himself for Shit, years I didn't know until a, the 90s yeah that it was and then he yeah. you know, put his I, hair up in such a way but apparently
0: it's really the way it was described in the script which was like this pale faceless or like kind of you know like yeah, just like the because it was a the, in the script it was inspired by eyes without a face yeah okay yeah the French movie this yeah. idea of like it's a face, but it's kind of. It can be anything. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. featureless in some ways. I mean, it's
1: terrifying that scene where she's in the dark and he, you know, all of a oh, sudden you just see the light, you know, the, the light he, of his he, mask he slowly kind of. Yeah. that's you know, one of my favorite it's, shots. It's in great. Film. And it, I mean, it works at such a level of the the mask. It's so scary looking and all that. And it's funny that it's a Captain Kirk mask, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then you, know. you get like the end montage,
0: which I always kind of loved. You know, this idea of it was like,
1: always weird because as an
2: adult, I kind of like they probably just had leftover. S- slices a film and said Oh somebody probably in the editing room Was like
0: hey what if we do this thing <laughs> well, It's a great thing because it's everywhere where he well, was It's like we're working backwards from everywhere yeah. where he was With like the sound of his breathing
1: Yeah which is like yeah, It's he, another important thing on the soundtrack is, is that you hear that That voiceover of him breathing And that's very conscious in a lot of those scenes And I think it's also you know, it's this settling
0: like, It's this idea of like it's everywhere where he was But it's also this idea of like evil is everywhere like, Yeah you know like it's It's hiding and, and it could be anywhere. It could be, could be here. It could be, <laughs> it could be near you. You know, uh, you know Weird. T- I always find it funny when people, critics, film fans, film geeks, they read into things. Certainly we did a lot of explaining some of the things that have been read to in this movie. When sometimes it's just for technical reasons. It's just for logistics. Like there's all this thing of like, why does young Michael Myers look up at his hand? Yeah, when he's killing her, and people think of like it's taking us away. If he wants to see himself kill her. Blah blah blah, because they were using a real knife and everything. <laughs> yeah, they literally just needed to not show Judith for a second so that they could splash blood on her chest. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's,
2: it's 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 more. Um, what
0: I say, it's a practicality.
2: Practicality yeah. is, is, than anything yeah. else. There's
0: it, no real reason. Yeah. This idea of, uh, you know, we talked about this. An invasion of the Body Snatchers a while back. This I had b- I brought it up because we were talking about something else, but it was this site You know, people read into it with the theme of like it's morality tale. People that have sex are the ones that die. Carpenter, you know, says that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, this idea of like he always said it
2: was Lori being more aware of everything going. She's on not in She's not like, distracted. Yeah. You know, she's yeah. the
1: only one that sees it coming because yeah. she's not distracted. She's not distracted. But as sex. opposed to that, that's, that's a theme that starts to show in the slasher movies because they're doing this naughty thing they're going to get their come up in spite he's being they're being punished for it you know a lot of people when critics came out so they start saying that carpenter says a lot of the direction he tried to put on the shape so that people wouldn't identify with it but then i think a lot of criticisms were this is one of the first movies since it's a lot of the first person the pov is that it did help uh, audiences identify with the with the with the, the co- with the killer, because you're you're seeing the stuff through the killer's eyes, yeah, and it brings in this whole er- new era. Aside from Black Christmas, which you said does the same thing, where you have the POV, and then you get into the video games, and then, you know in the 80s and 90s that have the PO first person kind of a thing, you know. So it's interesting to see that 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 you know that this kind of identify.
0: When we did Monster Mania together back in April, mm-hmm. there was a Q and A with Carpenter, and some girl asked like, "What do yes you, and no. What do you think <laughs> about?" Michael Myers being a sex symbol. Yeah. And he was, he had no, he had no thing, but it's interesting that like, at least she thinks so, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's maybe, there's somebody out maybe, there for everybody. Maybe there is. This. Well, it's
1: like those people who, you know, serial killers, you know, they want to marry like Ted Bundy or, you know, Manson Ted Bundy in, was pres- a handsome in prison, devil. you know, you know, like that whole the, room, the, the hillside strangler, they killer. love that. Um, what I asked Carpenter about the Western. What was his answer for me? Yes. I've been wanting that. Yeah. I've been wanting to ask him for, cause we saw him at a colloquium years before and he screened the thing and he did a Q&A and I wanted what to ask did him what he wants to make a western would you ever make a western because all of his movies seem to be just you know not rip but, but I forgot what he said he's like yes or he said something he's like of course you know if the right one came along or something said, why don't you make a western like make once. a traditional western yeah, yeah great. you know like a Sergio Leone. this movie for years decades was the most
0: successful independent movie of all time yep made for $300,000 turns out they added another Twenty to pay Pleasants, Yep. So and we, half the budget so went to the camera, right? So really, it and was three hundred twenty thousand dollars, supposedly, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, but became the most uh, successful. Uh, yeah, was, independent movie of all time. Yeah, but he's very, I think, on the VHS. I think up until like Tur- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles
2: But he's of <laughs> yeah. really Carpenter's very Which efficient. Which is funny to think that was an independent <laughs>
1: film. You know, like Carpenter seems very efficient. Like East would say, when you do a movie where he's he's coming in under budget. You know, he's not running over. I mean, they shot this movie in twenty days. You well, know, yeah, it's very much. Basically, planned. was like you know, how much? Only you, took him ten days to write the script. You know, can how much can you do? Well, there's uh, there's
0: conjecture in that. She, she, him, and Deborah Hill, who was his more. girlfriend at the time. She says more. Like they took like more time. I yeah. think I wrote it down somewhere. But it, I mean, the reason why he said I'll do it, he said, "Look, I could do it in twenty days for this much money," and they were like, "Holy fuck, okay." Yeah. And he's like, "And I want Final Cut, and I want my name above the title." And I said, "For like for that for that budget for that schedule, mm-hmm. like <laughs> we'll give you what <laughs> well, the you producers want. at
1: the time said they were working on some sort of Lawrence Olivier movie, and they were and the the movie was three hundred. They were." Blowing through three hundred thousand dollars a day, <laughs> and then he's like, "I can do that. Like, you can have your whole budget be that. Sure, that sounds great. You whatever you want." Because they were looking to cash in on a movie like an Exorcist. They wanted to have a movie that was that you know like scary. Movies, you know, horror movies are cheap and yeah. they make money. Yeah, if you do, if in this this something was that paved the way for a whole you know subgenre like Romero did with the zombies yeah. subgenre. This is opened up Friday the Thirteenth, The and Burning. Really I always say
2: about like zombie movies, like I mean. Nobody's done it as good as Romero ever did. Yeah. And I think with, uh, I mean, slashers, I don't think, I mean, as far as a slasher goes, I don't think uh, anybody's done it as good well, as it Carver. goes. although I love Nightmare on Elm Street. We did an episode of Revenge of the Pod, people, where my co-host Katie Rafe and I, we pitted, she took the side of Halloween, and I took the side of Nightmare on Elm Street, just as a, you know, take two favorites, you know, kill your yeah. darlings and yeah. argue, because... I, I don't think, I think calling Nightmare on Elm Street a slasher movie yeah, kind of sells. It's
0: short, it's more
1: imaginative. Yeah, I was going like, to
0: say, it's not a typical slasher movie. Yeah.
1: I mean, in the, in, he also takes a page out of uh, Hitchcock's, uh, m- well, for this point, which is interesting, is that it's not it's not a gore fest. You know, like in Psycho, you see the blood going down the, the drain, yeah. but you don't see your body riddled with cuts and stuff yeah. or whatever, where this, it's an active, there's very little blood. I mean, there's blood at the beginning on her naked body, the sister. Uh, but like through the movie, certainly when he stab you know, when he stabs the guy and hangs him, you can have blood coming down there when he could be blood, he he could be the, blood everywhere.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, the Italians at this time are making like really gory films. And we've, <laughs> we've talked about that a lot. But in America, like, right. I mean, I guess we had Herschel Gordon Lewis and stuff.
2: He's kind of the godfather of gore,
1: <laughs> yeah. Right? His, but it, you're right, moniker. like in this
0: idea of like the slasher film that became like an '80s. Yeah.
1: excess. Well, it's not needed here almost too. You know, you don't really need well, that. It's have a classic that.
0: story. Carpenter's a classic filmmaker.
1: Yeah. It's very minimal because you could have really gored the crap out of it. What you see in the sequels, you see a lot of blood and guts and stuff. You know.
0: But uh, I think we've come to the conclusion that it is scary. Yeah, absolutely, and it's not overrated. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, there's, and there's so much other s-
1: stuff we could have got to the, the the additional stuff they shot to, to make the TV version bigger, which we talk about in Halloween to our podcast. And
2: that was just to fill in the runtime on. Uh, NBC. Yeah, because amazing
1: because they, they cut
0: out whatever violence and gore and tits.
1: they <laughs> the, the little bit that they did, yeah, and
2: including uh, uh, Annie's butt. Yeah, like I remember uh, Carpenter Annie's, on the commentary. Uh, Annie's mentioned butt. that they had to cut out. Her butt hanging out of the, uh,
1: <laughs> out of the, the window. window. Oh, yeah, when she stuck there with the yeah. kid. And it's like in, in the old days, instead of filling it with more ads, they're like, you have more content? And, then you know, they filled yeah. it out. With... <laughs> but does that ever happen, Yeah, right? not anymore. Watch a
2: movie on FX, it's four hours long, and three of them are
1: commercials. Yeah. Yeah. Uh...
0: But as iconic as this is, and as, you know, the, the film that potentially, like we said, that the success of it kind of spawned the slasher genre, I mean, as a series, I think most people would... Of the popular slasher movie series, it's probably the weakest on the whole.
2: Absolutely. the wor- I mean, Friday the 13th, I think, has sequels that are better than the original. Yeah. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, I would say, like, they... Sequels... I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street is a weird series because even Freddy's Dead, which some people might call, like, lower-tier uh, Freddy Krueger, that's just a franchise running out of steam and yeah. running out of yeah. ideas and yeah. just not of the era anymore. The Halloween... Se- like, there has never been, like, a declining... Qu- like, I mean, the producers of the Halloween... makers of the Halloween sequels took a terrifyingly simple concept and... Masterfully, expertly, <laughs> convoluted it. Yeah, over Just eight, nine, ten movies, however many there are. Got now, as much squeeze out of that as they could. My God, and yeah. like none of them even come close. Like there's not a Halloween sequel that I will. I, I mean, th- some of them, look, you know, when they're on AMC Fear Fest, yeah. I I like sit down two,
1: uh, three I like, you know, four and five I've come on to because I've seen them only recently, the past 10 years. Yeah. I think they're fun. I can't tell you one of the most disappointing things is going to see H2O and seeing how disappointed I was in that movie, I how liked, silly it got.
2: I liked it at the theater, but yeah. like, in, I, a lot of this is hindsight. Did we fan, see that together, you and I? None of them I don't
1: were, think so. Okay. okay.
2: None of
0: them were very good. But yeah. I. I mean, I'm in the minority of think of most <laughs> people, which is like I like two as much as I like this one. Yeah. I mean, for diff- for not the same reasons as yeah. I like yeah, this one. There's also
2: it's certain it's like Star also Trek two, three, they four. They do <laughs> do a yeah, or Friday the 13th three, four, no, two, three, four all kind of take place over a long weekend. Two, three, four. Yeah. But it's, they do masterfully considering a different director and how many every year years later the aesthetic the tone the style yeah. between well, Halloween and Halloween Cundey 2 and yeah. is crew. is impressive like you, you could cut them together and it would be one long movie
0: and yeah.
1: it wouldn't feel yeah. two out of the it's world. also yeah.
0: there's some nostalgia for me about it the yeah, first of episode of monster vision i ever saw yeah halloween, you know? halloween yeah. 2 yeah
1: and you're a carpenter man you know yeah and so even that, though he you didn't, didn't it, it was this oh two, like, yeah i mean in general yeah. are on it. Yeah. there's uh,
0: also uh, for me it's a lot about atmosphere that movie that works for me but
1: we can go on for hours we could and go years. Go on we forever. just did. Yeah. Let's
0: <laughs> thank Mr. Mike Vanderbilt for yeah. making oh. yet another, even though he didn't lend any of his Illinois. Ex-
1: <laughs> I, that's why we brought you here. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Your hey. Poor mom's still sitting out in the car. <laughs>
0: Had-
2: Haddonfield, uh, even though it's passing, like it looks, uh, that's pretty close to what the uh, suburbs <laughs> of, 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 of uh, Illinois, you know, Chicago, <laughs> or in downstate Illinois or look like. I mean, yeah. that's sub- that's suburbia, though. It looks the same all over. And yeah. That's what's masterful about Halloween. F- to think that,
0: that at this time uh joliet jake is probably in, in elwood in, blues in they're jail. in joliet
1: <laughs> yeah, in cook point. county <laughs> not You're too
2: far Hadfield wouldn't be too har- too far from joliet <laughs> yeah is, exactly is, is, is what i'm getting so
1: elwood's probably buying the, the blues mobile
2: <laughs> that's probably part of trading the old one for a microphone <laughs> what's masterful about halloween and setting it in the suburbs as we discussed like taking it out of the gothic arena is that that suburb could be anywhere yeah, yeah. like and you can, you, as New Yorkers, yeah. you can relate to that because it's a cipher. It can be any town USA. Yeah.
1: I think that was like, yeah, what, the scariness for Psycho. You know, it could be any motel off the beaten track yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of idea of that. A place yeah. you've been to. Yeah.
0: But anyway, Mike, tell us where we can find you.
1: You can find me at Daily Grindhouse,
2: at Daily Grindhouse on Twitter and dailygrindhouse.com. Find me at Mike Vanderbilt on Twitter. Find me at Consequence of Sound, the AV Club, Fandor. Find the Modern Day Rippers on iTunes and Spotify. And I think that's all I have going on right
0: now. Of course, you can find Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers at. Uh, CLNSmedia.com. C- yes.
2: CNLSmedia.com. L- c- What's we- that? That's
1: <laughs> our sponsors. Our, well, our, our, our media It's company. our new
0: home. It's our network.
1: Yeah, we've been doing it for a little while. CNLSmedia.com. And of course, on iTunes and Stitcher and most other places you find podcasts. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram, as always. at that sleepovers. Our regular homepage. You can find extras. You can find me at Scored to Death on uh, Facebook twitter
0: and instagram the book of course which we can learn more about john carpenter and the score for halloween would be scored to death uh conversations with some of Horace greatest composers and of course now there's the scored to death the score to death the podcast
1: yes and as i've said before i have my book coming out blood in the streets should be out at the beginning of december uh you can probably pre-order it now on amazon so uh check that out um and that'll be exciting. Please. Uh, go, uh, you know, check it out and Pre-order that son of a gun, see what you <laughs> like about it. Mm-hmm. it. Makes a great Christmas present. yeah Yes, yeah. it's good for Christmas time for anybody who's into fiction or you know, p- uh, thrillers or well, like, police who've done it. Yeah, people know? who the old people who like Whoever to read likes books words on paper. <laughs> yeah, check that out there. Blood in the streets. So thank you very much, Mike, for coming over. <laughs> thank you for having me. Uh, to Blake's mom's house. the uh, uh,
2: coming up again, huh? Yeah, it's late. Big it's all fire. You can hear o-
1: if we listen, really, you can hear your mom beeping. We broke up we broke open the bucket pizza for this episode. Yeah, yeah. The bucket pizza is great. <laughs> we all gotta go poopies now. We're like, you know, wait, who's much gonna go Joe first? Cola, though. Yeah, Feeling a little ill. It's going right through. We get the shakes. <laughs> you know it's going on? Well, uh, it's always a fun uh, time here with the, what we're doing in the Halloween time. You know, we still have some more stuff for this season, very and it's scary. very exciting. So, um, you'll see us next week. Not in two weeks. Next week with a whole new episode. So, until then, later. Adios.